Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. This is episode 198. We are recording this on Sunday, November 6, 2022, at 3 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Daylight savings time. Wonderful thing. Uh, I'm Terry. He's Todd. He's Zach. How's it going, guys? Great. I mean, Kansas is bull bound, so I'm in a great mood. Yeah, did you see the stat that uh, the uh, Power 5 teams that had been uh, bullless for the longest <laughs> were uh, Kansas and Nebraska, and now yeah. uh, Kansas is, uh, is bull bound? Did you see the stat that Kansas hasn't made a bowl game since the William Taft administration? I mean, it's really exciting <laughs> here. Okay, maybe Excellent. that's a little exaggerated, but it feels like it. The Jayhawks <laughs> have not made a bowl game since I've lived here. And I've lived here a long freaking time. Was it, wasn't it like 2017? No, no, no. They, no it was the recent era. It was the Mangino era, oh. 2008. I think okay. it was the Insight Bowl versus Minnesota. And it's sad that I know that. Oh, that was 09 then. That was the year after the Orange Bowl. Right? Yeah, that's right. Because the Orange Bowl was January of 08. Yeah. Well, I must say I'm doing better than you guys because I am recording this from my lovely hotel room at the Mirage Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Boo, so. you whore. <laughs> uh, you, you, uh, you make fun because you wish you were here. But the you're sober enough to do a podcast, in, though. Yeah, the last time we recorded in Vegas was in, uh, that That was an experience. That was an experience. I just remember I beat Todd at 1983 Trivia. But I don't remember anything else about it. That, that, that did happen. I remember. I remember you quoted, or you uh, talked about Barbara Streisand. That's one of the few things I remember okay. about that podcast. Yeah, some other some book that he was reading during yeah, the recording. You, yeah, you read a book during our recording. It's really this funny. Was like, it was like episode eleven. Top five Vegas movies. I think is what we. Talked <laughs> that about. is totally yeah. what we did. Yeah. <laughs> and was this during was this the Birdman Oscars or was this the uh no this was the artist Oscars, right? No. It wasn't this the one. artist, I was I was the only one there. Oh, okay. What did we review? Did we review something or did we we just talked? Oh, we did who it was the three billboards Oscars. That's oh, what I remember. Yeah. Well, perfect. We're back with another McDonough movie. Exactly. If we're if we're talking McDonough, it's gotta be in gotta uh, be Vegas. It's gotta be in Vegas. It's the first thing you think of. Just like, you know, in our top 10 episodes, we have to quote Alpha Dog for some reason. <laughs> there are at least three billboards outside Vegas, right? At least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> uh, where is it? I'm looking. I'm trying to find it here. There it is. Episode 15 is what it was. That's when we were young and innocent. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. So yeah, so I'm here at the Mirage. Uh, I placed a bet on the Seahawks on on the money line because as uh, as Zach texted before the game, we're all on that. Yeah, but, and guess um, what happened? They they're sucking. They look like they look like the uh, they look like a team that has Geno Smith as its quarterback. Touchdown Seahawks! They just took the lead. So oh, there we go. Okay, good. Because I got <laughs> I got money on him too. Todd almost 
Todd almost uh, uh, faded them, right? But you know, we, this is this was the greatest bet to bet on the Seahawks. They're two point underdogs somehow, even though Arizona is a much worse team. Okay, well, I, I need to talk about my bet for a little bit here. So, so we were having lunch at uh, at Caesar's Caesar's Palace, and so actually, so I, I have a drink here. This is this is my my third of the day because we we got a couple while we were walking around. A great screwdriver from the win, and a Bloody Mary for during lunch, which was amazing. And uh, and so I go to I'm at Caesar's Palace, so I'm like, okay, I'll just go to the sports book and place a bet there. And I went to the I went to the um, the uh, whatchamacallit, the um, the kiosk, because I wanted to get like all the prop bets and all that stuff and see it. Yeah, Caesar's Sportsbook kiosks only work if you have an account on their app that is preloaded with money. Mm. It's like, that That was really stupid. So I had to I had to put cash down at the at the teller and only, was only able to put one bet on the afternoon games because I was out of time. So... That's like a 2022 problem, man. Like 10 years ago, totally. we go straight to the we go straight to the sports book. We sit our asses down in those in those, you know, leather chairs with a big burger and some beer and you know what? We just we we enjoy it, you know? What's with you know, the the the, the sports betting on the phone, I think it's corroding society, you know? It's one of the big problems in our world is that it's corroded the excitement of a sports book. Not that I'm against, you know, sports legal sports betting, but I think the appeal has waned a little bit, sadly. Otherwise, we'd all be there, right? I, I do yeah. like I do like the neon green uniform, though. You like it? I figured if I was going to be in in Vegas on an NFL Sunday, I, I've I've got three Seahawks jerseys. One was super super old. One's Russell Wilson. I wasn't wearing that, so I no. want my neon oh, green yeah. Marshawn. If I'm going to go I, if I'm in Vegas, I'm I'm wearing Marshawn. So nice. You should try wearing a Kyrie Irving jersey. That uh, no. No, <laughs> uh, apparently the uh, baseball GM meetings uh, start today in in Vegas, so I may have to go hunting for like Jerry Depoto or something and uh, and give him a high oh, five later. All right, well we should probably get into this. Let's uh, let's see what we're doing here, Zach. What are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I wanted an Irish beer today, like the really dark delicious looking Irish beer that Brandon Gleason and Colin Farrell were drinking, but uh, I, I didn't have enough uh, enthusiasm or uh, energy to do it. You couldn't go out and get, get a six pack of Guinness or something. No, man, I had movies to watch today. I had to watch that movie and I had to watch my trivia movie. So I've been inside all day. Uh, I, it's, de- it's dedication to this podcast. You're doing it from Vegas. And you're drinking and you, a Nevada beer. That's true. Yeah. yeah. This is, <laughs> Anything, if not dedicated. <clears throat> oh man! Well, I, I I will say you watched a trivia movie, so you are not hosting trivia. That that's right. the rule. That's the I rule. had to double check before the episode, but yes, yes you I, did. I, I, I was did. fairly certain about that. All right, Todd, what are you drinking? Uh, I have some wine. It is uh, the Domain Doom Mistral wine from uh, France. Yeah, France. And it's a fifteen percent alcohol, which is quite a yeah. bit. Um, it is uh, it's really dry. I'm not really sure. It doesn't really have a ton of flavor. It's just really dry. But I mean, I'm I'm okay with that. I don't need the, I don't need the zing. But I should be drinking an Irish car bomb or something. That would be that would be ideal. All right. Well, uh, my wife just got back from the uh, from the liquor store, and uh, bought uh, 
two bottles and a couple mixers for us to work on over the over the next few days. Um, the that that total bill was uh, about equivalent to the four drinks we had while we were walking around combined. Um, it was less, including the bus pass to get to the liquor store. So um, yeah, so don't just buy stuff at the at the casinos. Anyways, um, this is some uh, some new Amsterdam mango vodka with some mango nectar mixed in. So nice. nice. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Well, you should never pay for drinks in Vegas anyway. All you got to do is sit out a slot machine and they'll bring you drinks. <laughs> and it's free. <laughs> Valid point. Yeah, but uh, the... But if you're walking around, yeah, that gets super expensive. You yeah. pay like 30 bucks for like a big margarita or something. Yeah, it was a it was a fifteen dollar screwdriver and a twenty six dollar Bloody Mary because it was a double. It's like, oh, it's a thirteen dollar Bloody Mary. Oh, do you want to make a double? Sure. Oh, it doubles the price. It's like, so not doubles the size, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it, it doubles the alcohol content, I think. But yeah, it did not double. That's the way size. more than that that Bloody Mary I had in Seaside. The, I know that came with seventeen dollar one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get into what we've been watching this week. And for that, we are going to start with Todd. Uh, I watched a movie that is streaming. It's relatively new. I think it came out like a few weeks ago. Um, it's uh, The Good Nurse, directed by oh. Tobias Lindholm, which is uh, it's the true story of a of, of the serial killer, uh, Charlie Cullen. He's a nurse in New Jersey about like, like a couple decades ago. And Eddie Redmayne plays him. Uh, he immediately comes off as really creepy and almost channeling like a Freddie Highmore or something. But... Uh, he, uh, he somehow was able to go undetected by nine hospitals that he works for all until he befriends this like really benevolent nurse played play by Jessica Chastain. And uh, she has health issues of herself uh, herself and she sort of gets closer to Colin than it seems like any of his coworkers like ever have. So she's able to see things that the, the officers don't. The officers are, are played by Namdi Asamoah and Noah Emmerich, which just screams like that's a Todd movie for sure. And, um, and uh, they're able to... Uh, see and prove uh, something because they they start investigating this uh, really suspicious death of an elderly lady at the hospital. Um, the movie is really conventional, but the story isn't. So it 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 gives a little kind of a jarring feeling. Like uh, like it's like has a really chilling feeling, uh, but the overall impact is not really close to that. Like the the actors make it work. Not it's not the aesthetic or like the heinous acts that are committed or the moral questions. It's like it's these two Oscar winners and an, an all pro corner, and uh, they they provide all the drama. The, the Noah Emmerich, Navi Osmo stuff is actually really like good. It kind of gives you this like lulling false feeling to ma make the compelling thrill elements actually work. Um, the story is pretty baffling and frustrating considering it's almost like a conspiracy that would have had to happen for the like the the this to all go on. But that's sort of why the movie exists. Um, I'm sure it took a lot of creative liberties. Like it, it, the insinuations that they make are kind of ridiculous and and uh, kind of almost hilarious. It's honestly a, a pretty lousy script, and the, it's the Oscar-nominated screenwriter of 1917. And Lindholm is like the writer of Another Round and a bunch of really good foreign films, but uh, it's just kind of a mess. It's an entertaining movie for the most part. It doesn't really feel like a Netflix movie, but um, it's more like a light AMC miniseries or something. But it's fine. It's a it's a average two and a half star movie and it almost feels like the kind of movie that would pop up with like two SAG nominations out of nowhere because it, it does have the, the actors are able to do a lot with it yeah when i saw it i thought the good nurse was a uh, the title of a new cbs primetime drama 
Um, it does kind of have the feel of that, like that Rosamund Pike movie that came out a couple years ago, um, where she won the Golden Globe. Like it does. I, I care I, a lot. Yeah. yeah, I care a lot. Like it has that vibe of like, yeah, I could get like some random nominations for no inexplicable, no explicable reason. Nomdi Osmo is really good though. <clears throat> Always good to see up. him pop up. Yeah. And uh, and it's funny you say they're channeling uh, Freddie Highmore because isn't his show The Good Doctor? Something like that. I don't know if that's the title <laughs> of it. Yeah. There's like a Good Wife, right? Isn't that a show? The Good Wife is a show. The Good. I think it. I think. Freddie Highmore show is the good doctor. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. He, he, so he's he, channeling he Freddie of... Highmore and the good nurse. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he, he he almost he almost looks like him, which is weird. That is weird. All right, cool. Zach, what'd you watch? All right, I, I saw De- Decision to Leave, the new uh oh. Park Chan Wook movie. Uh we like uh Park Chan Wook on this uh podcast. We all love Old Boy and the Handmaiden. And uh, anytime he comes out with a new movie, it's always something to kind of feast because he, uh, you know, visually and story wise, is just su- such a unique storyteller. Um, this is kind of um, a foray into film noir a bit. Um, this is a movie that is uh, basically kind of a film noir plot. It deals with a police officer uh, whose name, oh boy, I'm going to I'm going to mess up these names, but let's let's just call him. Hey, John is his name. And uh, he's investigating a murder at the beginning of the movie. Got rich business guy falls off a mountain, and uh, the wife of this businessman is uh, obviously a suspect. Her name is So Ray, and she's actually an immigrant from China in the movie. And basically, the movie kind of follows this kind of Paul Verhoeven basic instinct line where this cop gets seduced by the wife. Um, you could argue that she is like a film fatale and twists him with her fingers, and uh, basically, he falls under her spell. The movie does kind of something interesting where it kind of stops looking at that storyline and then moves forward about a year. I don't want to say too much about the movie because part of it is uh, kind of the ingenuity of the storytelling and the unexpected nature of it. Um, the movie is very ADD. It's kind of all over the place. It feels like they're it, it's jumbled. It's very hard to follow the plot. Um, it's also overlong. I did, was not a huge fan of this movie. Um, I know that there are, you know, enthusiasts of this director who always come to expect something new and different. But for me, this movie was very traditional film noir territory. I grew kind of tired of the plot. Um, I thought the main performances were fine, but it just kind of, at a certain point, it just kind of lost me. I'm like, okay, you could kind of throw in any twist or turn, and I just sort of don't care about the characters. At 142 minutes, I think that's the length of it. It feels very long. And it has this sequence at the end of the movie that just uh, feels kind of predictable and tacked on. So unfortunately, it's a two and a half star movie for me. I suspect Todd, who is a bigger fan of Basic Instinct and film noir, will like it more. Um, It's not to dissuade people, but it's certainly not up to the level of other Park Chan-wook films. It's interesting. Um, I, you know, it's not even necessarily boring because it's fast paced, but it's contrived and confusing and at a certain point i just lost interest so a sad sadly to report two and a half stars for a movie that is considered in some in some ways maybe an oscar contender or f- contender for a critics top 10 list but not really not really my piece of cake yeah it's got to be one of the one of the top contenders for uh international feature i think what's interesting about the movie is that it uses no one's talked about this but it uses uh, oh gosh, now I'm going to forget his name. <laughs> the same piece that Kate Blanchett was conducting in Tar at a very significant point in the movie. No critic seems to under to point that out. I, what's that composer's name? It's not mm. Wagner. It was the 
uh, yeah, I, I can't. Mahler, Mahler's Mahler. Fifth Symphony, uh, is it, it also plays a major role in this story. So it's kind of interesting to see that. But uh, beyond that, uh, I don't know. I've even kind of forgotten about. It. I saw it earlier this week. <clears throat> Hasn't really stuck with me. Nah. Todd may like it though. I could see him really enjoying it. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that was one of my top anticipated movies. So it's kind of a bummer to hear that you didn't like it. That it should not dissuade you in any way though, because it ha- definitely has some Todd DNA to it. Honestly, it, it seems like at times uh, Zach being disappointed in it might make it more exactly. of a Todd, Todd exactly. movie. So. Exactly. Like, you know, when I say, when I told Todd, like, Todd, you need to see Bo Burnham inside. Like, you are going to love this shit. It's like, it's just a huge disappointment. So this is this is the best news possible for Todd, I think. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, my turn to report. I'm going to talk about a couple different things. First, my Oscar watch goes back 20 years. 2002 the best animated winner spirited away spirited away it was time for spirited away the number 31 movie of all time according to imdb uh i i almost went and watched this in theaters it was playing in theaters this week just (laughs) random happenstance but it didn't end up working out for me to be able to go uh yeah, I'm a little late to the Miyazaki party. Uh, I watched My Neighbor Totoro for the first time earlier this year, uh, which my kids love. And uh, now I'm watching Spirited Away, which is the only one that ever got him any uh, Oscar recognition. Um, it's a movie about a little girl named Chichiro. Uh, Chihiro. Chihiro. And um, they, uh, they're mo- her and her family are moving to the suburbs. And they uh, stumble upon this random location that kind of looks like a, uh, it looks like a theme park. And her parents get kidnapped in some way as they're turned into pigs. And she has to kind of work her way through navigating, manipulating her way through to try and save them. I mean, Miyazaki, I I see why everyone is obsessed with this guy because he is an original beyond originals in the stories he can come up with these pictures he can paint and how he always centers them around these little children that uh, are able to do these amazing things. Um, I'm having trouble connecting with the animation just because it's so different. I've never been one to watch much anime. And so uh, I'm, it, it just throws me off just that little bit. And um I mean, usually you watch you watch these dubbed into English, which m- might throw it off a little more. I don't know, um, but uh, this one is it's kind of undeniable to uh, to uh, miss its its quality and its greatness. Uh, it's a four star film. Um, I, I as I watch it more, I'm gonna. It's really four stars out of respect. So as I watch it more, I'll probably I'll be falling in love with this movie. I can tell. Because it's just it, it's just so original, so imaginative, and and such a such a good good movie. So uh, there's that. Now the other one I'm going to talk about is I went and saw Tar this week. So uh, to get to get kind of caught up on on that one, I missed it last week. I watched it this week. Uh, you guys talked plenty about it last week. So let me tell you my thoughts. Uh, I am, I'm probably the lowest on out of all of us on it, but I'm kind of in Todd's camp at the same time. Um, 
it was a movie as I was watching it. I really felt I was having a hard time getting into. It was hard to connect to at, while at the same time still being fascinating. Uh, it was like a half hour in and there had only been two scenes. And I was like, wait. And I didn't even realize that it had been a half hour because they were two captivating scenes. But it's just sitting there watching her talk. Um but as you start to see where it's going, nothing happens in this movie until like the last 30 minutes. And uh, and then everything happens. But I I don't know. I, I had a tough time connecting to it, getting into it. Uh, I, I mean, we, we love Todd Field. and But the thing with Todd Field, his other movies, they, they had plot. This doesn't really have much of a plot. It, 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 it's, I mean, you could, it, it's just this character study. And so it's so different. It's it's so hard to access out of respect, three and a half stars. It'll probably go up as I as I watch. It's one I have to watch again. This is something that I think I'm gonna say often in this podcast because it's gonna describe another movie that we're that we're gonna review in a little bit. Um, but it needs it needs a repeat viewing to really uh, fully grasp what is actually going on there. So three and a half stars for now. So when you say respect, does that just mean it's really a half star lower? It means I can see the quality in it, even it though it's not my, his thing, but he it's can not, respect it's it. It's not my thing, but I respect it. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Okay. I, I didn't necessarily, <laughs> I didn't love it, but I can, I can see it's a, it's a really good movie. It's a bit of a, like you guys said, it's a bit of a mess. It's shot for the fences and it, it kind of wanted to be messy in the, as it was going along anyways, but yeah, anyways, that's where well, I'm at. Do you agree with my contention last week without reiterating too much of what we talked about, that it's going to be like nominated for like 10 Oscars and it's going to win like one. It's like the power of the dog. It might not be front runner like power of the dog, but it's going to get a lot of nominations and it feels like. It's just way too dense uh, and too much of a downer of a movie for Oscar voters to appreciate, but they'll at least like Cate Blanchett, right? I think it's one that uh, the most likely scenario is it gets like three, I think. What's wow. Okay, so what's the over-under on tar Oscar nominations? This is a good question. Four and a half. Uh, that's from... about what I was going to say. I'm going to say, I'm saying three. I'll, I'll go with the under. I think it's it's a little... I mean, they hated they hated little children. Um, they they only I mean, gave they, that well. How many nomi- did, three nominations? Three nominations, exactly. Three nominations. Yeah, but and then expanded best picture. It would have been nominated, so it would have been four. But it, okay, fine. But this is this is a lot harder to access. This is a lot. Uh, so it's going to be nominated for director. For the masses. Um, I mean, maybe I don't think it, I don't think it's that that less dense than Power of the Dog, like. Power of the Dog I mean, is a dog, decent also comparison. Had a, also had a really unlikable protagonist, and it was a movie that was way too complex for most Oscar voters. Well, Tar isn't going to get all the below line stuff because it, it doesn't. That's not. It's not that kind of movie. Oh, I don't know about that. I could see it getting cinematography, art direction, and sound. It might get score. Yeah, um, score. Because the, the score was done by um, the the Oscar winner from Joker, right? Who's mentioned in the movie? She is. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was interesting. Well, I think it gets pictured, director, actress, screenplay, 
and then one other nomination somewhere. It's not going to get another acting nomination. See, I I don't know about Tom Field getting a nomination, but I I think I think you guys are are too uh, too too bearish on uh, the below the line stuff. There's Actor. a lot of movies that are going to kill below the line this year, though. That's the problem. It's, it's not one you could just like sneak into sound. Like sounds a pretty locked up category. I'm going to say I'm going to say actor score and uh, sound or production design. Not not screenplay. No. It's a very talky screenplay. Like that's it, a, it that, is. That's what it is. But everything is original this year. Everything is original this year. Okay. So I that's I think it's gonna make it tough to get in. It's gonna make it tough. Well, I would take I would take the plus, I would take over four and a half. I would even do an alternate line at like eight and a half. I would I would I would load up on that shit. Wow. Plus two ten. Let's do it. Let's lock it in, baby. Are you thinking it's, that there's, there's no only gonna to... be like ten movies that are gonna be nominated for Oscars? Because I mean, there's, there's no way it's getting another acting nomination, and it would no, require no, that. All below the line stuff. I think it's. Power of the Dog had what four acting nominations? It's not. That's true. Okay, maybe maybe not ten nominations. I think, like I said, I think it's going to get more below the line stuff than you guys think. I think it has a decent shot of director, picture, screenplay. I, I think I think the one that's going to be the the nomination leader is going to be the Fablemans. No matter what happens moving forward, whether it wins Best Picture or not, it's going to be the nomination leader. And you still have stuff like like Avatar to deal with. You've got all, a bunch of tech True. contenders that are going to be out there. Uh, I I don't know. I don't see it. I don't know what the Fable means. Unless it gets nominated in every acting category, I don't think it's going to lead in nominations. No. It, it, <laughs> listen, Tar is a pretentious movie that a lot of Oscar voters probably will get the screeners of and not watch, but say they watch and say that they enjoyed it and understood it, which is why it's not going to win Best Picture. But uh, nobody's going to complain when it is potentially the nomination leader. Fablemans is going to be double-digit nominations. It, yeah, I mean it's possible. I think those. I think those are probably the two front runners right now. There might be some. You know, there's maybe a few more things we haven't really considered at this point. But I. I don't know, man. Tar is like. I think Tar is a machine with. It's gotten great reviews. Everybody. It. it you know, the Oscars do. The Oscars love movies with great performances. The Oscars, as Todd pointed out in his. Uh, article the oscars are uh there they do not mind giving actors multiple awards i guess i guess we'll see this i think this movie also has the the studio backing to mount a really considerable campaign i think i think uh here here's the comp i'm gonna give this one i feel like this this could be very comparable to a movie that came out last year with the only differentiating factor being its lead is a two-time oscar winner and that's spencer oh Okay, uh, a critical, I mean, that's, that's hard. A critical darling. It's it swept a lot of the critics critics groups. Uh, Kristen Stewart was winning everything there, but when it came to the major stuff, mostly shut out. Except the only difference, the only difference is that it's got a two time Oscar winner at its at its front, and not the girl from Twilight. Well, and it's that's directed cool. by Ouch. a several time Oscar nominee too, and I don't know it. It's not. It's not nearly as cold as Spencer and and alienating as Spencer was. It's not. It's not that bad. And and I gave I gave Spencer, Spencer four stars. So Spencer I'm not, did I'm not end saying... up on a lot of top ten lists. So that's the problem. Tar is going to be on a lot of top ten lists. Yeah, and it got one Oscar nomination. That was for Kristen Stewart. Right. So I, I couldn't I'm even slip into have, costume design. Tar's going to have bigger, more recognition. Tar's going to have more of a studio backing. 
But the, the I think the biggest argument against Tar is that everybody's just going to forget about it in a few months because you know everybody forgot about uh, Power of the Dog. You know, when when you lull on these things for too long, then people get bored with it because uh, Oscar voters are fickle. Well, everyone forgot about Power of the Dog because it was a Netflix movie. Tar at least True. was in theaters, so I think there's and that like that's that. another point for Tar actually in its favor. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to have a lot of Oscar talk throughout this as well as we're talking through several different movies. Uh, let's get into our featured review because I'm sure we're going to talk Oscars with that as well. I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zack movie ever made. You got to see it. Movie reviews. And for the featured review, we are looking at the, uh, the latest from Martin McDonough. Uh, the the Banshees of Anna Sharon. Call him Sonny Larry. Didn't you? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. When you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. Did you like me yesterday? Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. If you don't stop talking to me... Colin! And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them. And I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. Would you not want him to have to do the one finger to see if he was bluffing like? No, we wouldn't. Because worse goes to worse, he can still play the fiddle with four fingers, I bet ya. Going back to your own gang now, Parry. And talking to me, are ya? Why aren't you talking to Parry no more? That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? No, but it's not very nice either, is it? Do you know who we remember for how nice they was in the 17th century? Who? Absolutely no one. Yet we all remember the music of the time. Everyone to a man knows Mozart's name. I don't, so there goes that theory. Can't be waiting around for any more of this madness. Let's just call it quits. We won't call it quits. We'll call it the start. All right. Uh, we're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start with Zach on this one. Well, as we um, all know, I'm the Martin McDonough fan on this podcast. You, you, uh, you are not. Yeah, you are not as high on Martin McDonough as we are. Um, but I, I, we're gonna start with you and see what you thought. Okay. Well, we should preface this by anybody who hasn't listened to our podcast. I mean, I'm sure all the 18 listeners know this, but I feel like Three Billboards was probably the biggest disagreement we've ever had on this podcast. And it's unfortunate because that was like pre-episode 15, right? I mean, that had to be one of our first episodes. And that one, that's when I was too chicken to really stand up for my beliefs. I was like, yeah, okay, you guys are kind of right. I hated it, but you know, whatever. No, man. I era, definitely our biggest disagreement. What's that? In the podcast era, definitely our biggest disagreement. 
Yeah, yeah. And I have not rewatched um three billboards. I mean, maybe it was a bad day when I watched it. You know, we did have a different president. I I, I don't know. Maybe uh, it would be a history of violence type situation where I watched it again, different circumstances. Maybe I wouldn't hate as much, but I really was not a fan of that movie. However, we all love in Bruges. So there are there is some love, mutual love for Martin McDonough. Anyway, um, I think we can all safely say that we were looking forward. To, I was looking forward to this movie. I think we all were. Um, Banshees of Inishirin stars Colin Farrell, who's having quite a year, by the way. Um, yeah. he, he may just get an Oscar nomination alone just for, you know, everybody's like 2022 was the year of Colin Farrell. I, I don't know. What were the Vegas odds on that? Like plus 400? We should have cashed in on that, man. He's in what, um, like four or five really good movies this year, right? No kidding. And yeah, and he's like pretty outstanding in all of them. Um, anyway, this is a movie that takes place on the island of Inishirin off of Ireland in the early 1920s during the Irish Civil War, which I don't know that much about. Um, and this movie isn't really about the Irish Civil War, but I did look up, look it up after watching this movie because I feel like that was an important part of this movie that maybe I missed. Um, and uh, uh, Colin Farrell's name in this movie is Patrick. And uh, I think that's his name and uh, for how it's pronounced. And he's sort of like a simpleton who likes to drink and party and he lives with his sister. And his best friend in the movie is played by Brendan Gleeson and his name is Colm. And at the beginning of the movie, Colm basically tells Patrick Patrick that he doesn't want to be his friend anymore, uh, but doesn't really explain why at first. And uh, the Colin Farrell character is a little bit taken aback. He doesn't really take his friend that seriously. You know, in Ireland, everybody likes to party and get drunk. So, you know, maybe he said something, you know, that pissed him off while drunk. But uh, turns out the Brendan Gleeson character is pretty serious about this, so much to the extent that he says, you know, if you ever talk to me again, the next time you talk to me, I'm going to cut off one of my fingers. And that's crucial because he is a fiddler um, in the movie. And, uh, you know, obviously you kind of need fingers to fiddle, I would think. Um, now, is he is he uh, Lydia Tarr level musician? I'm not quite sure. But uh, he does seem to be talented uh, in, in the bars. Anyway, I think he could still play with four fingers, though. It's it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. It is a Martin McDonough movie, so there has to be some blood in it. So, um, you know, if you've seen other Martin McDonough movies, you can probably guess that there is some blood in this movie and you can kind of guess where it, it, it comes. Um, this was an interesting movie. I, I do have to say I was kind of surprised by the tone of it. This is a movie that is not very flashy. That was one of my problems with Three Billboards is that it just took the violence to the extreme sort of comic ends. It had characters do crazy shit, like throw Molotov cocktails at police headquarters. Uh, this, Although this movie does have a burning, I will say that. Um, but I actually uh, found myself liking the tone quite a bit more in this one. Um, the tone is dour, depressing, um, because these characters live in solitude in this island in the middle of a civil war that doesn't even really impact them. Um, there doesn't seem to be any women on the island except for Colin Farrell's sister. Um, and she's played in the movie by Carrie Condon in a pretty good performance, I thought. You also have a uh, friend of the Almost Sideways podcast, Barry Keegan, from uh, Dances with Horses. And he plays uh, Dominic. And, uh, well, you know, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> Barry Keegan in movies with horses and livestock. I mean, that's a real thing because there's a lot of livestock in this movie that plays a pretty central role. If this, this is the been... second Barry Keegan Colin Farrell movie this year. Yeah. That's true. And this is also, I, how many freaking donkey movies are we going to get this year? We got the donkey, the Andrea Arnold EO movie. We got the, there, I swear, it's like, this is donkeys and Colin Farrell, man. Andrea and Arnold that... was cow. 
Oh, okay. Excuse me. Well, you know, donkeys, cows, same thing. There is a donkey movie out there somewhere. Okay, I'm sure A24 produced it. Um, anyway, I that that is that to say though, I like the use of animals in this movie. I like that they were taken seriously. I like this movie. Um, I will say there were times when I almost fell asleep. It got a little bit boring. Um, and I think the runtime may be a little bit too long. And I will say at about the 90 minute mark, I was a little bit split. I was like, okay, well, I like that it's a little more subtle and not as flashy. Um, but on the other hand, it's a kind of, you know, slow. Um, I don't necessarily love the side characters. I thought the movie actually ended really nicely. I really liked the last half hour of it. And without going into spoilers, one of the reasons I liked it was because it kind of showed that the real core of the movie was the relationship between Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. I think I realized that I didn't like the side characters as much. And I do think had this movie been just a YouTube slideshow montage of Brendan Gleeson scenes, I would probably give this movie a full half star higher. I think the side characters are a distraction. But I like that this movie has um, the audacity to be kind of sad and kind of about this guy's despair uh, when he goes to confessional he talks about how he has feelings of inadequacy inadequacy and despair i like that they don't show that there's an inciting incident that leads brendan gleason to fade out you know his former friend i like that sort of up to you know interpretation about why that happens and i also like that it shows that depression and despair is not always brought on by inciting incidents uh it's something that um, a lot of people go through, particularly on this island that's very sad and desolate. So in the end, I give this movie three stars. You could probably convince me to move it up to three and a half. I just didn't like the side characters and it was maybe a little bit long. But for a portrait of like depression and sadness and isolation, alienation, I actually really kind of dug this movie. It felt more like Charlie Kaufman's recent movies than the Coen Brothers movie. And um, I applaud Martin McDonough for actually making a serious movie that wasn't bailed out by stupid comic violence. So I thought this is in, in some ways a more mature movie, not to sound patronizing, but uh, pretty good altogether. All, all and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I would recommend it. Well, I think one of the biggest, uh, biggest critiques a lot of people had of Three Billboards was the fact that uh, Martin McDonough was out. I think this is something you said, too. Uh, he's an Irishman who's kind of out of touch with America. And he's trying to write this American story and, and it didn't, it didn't quite fit. Well, throw that out because he, he's back to his, his wheelhouse here, going back to Ireland. That's one of the things that made him Bruges so great is he was writing for Irish characters. And now here he is writing for Irish characters again, not only that, but the same actors playing them. Um, I, I disagree with what you said about the side characters. I thought they were, they were fascinating. Um, I've heard some people say that they like Barry Keegan even more than Brendan Gleeson for, for like a supporting actor nomination. Uh, I might, I might be able to get on that bandwagon. I, I thought he was, he was outstanding. And for a character actor who has kind of quietly been plotting his way along to finally get a moment where he can shine a little bit and really stand out, it, it was great. I thought this was, this was a fascinating movie. I'm giving it three and a half stars. Um, and on a rewatch, it could end up being four stars. Uh, but it's a fascinating movie because, like you said, it's about this depression. And uh, he's Brendan Gleason's character. I find it interesting because he's at first, you're like, you feel for Colin Farrell's character, you feel for Padraig because it's like, what are you, what's he doing? I mean, the, you, you liked me yesterday, and and now, and now he. He's just like, I just don't like you anymore. It's like, what, what is going on? But then you realize he, he's having this like crisis, this midlife crisis, well, late life crisis, you could say. 
and and you you really understand where Colm's coming from on this as well. And he's saying, I got I've, I've got to make a decision for me. But at the same time, you see how making a decision for himself affects the people around him. And it completely changed the type of person Podrick was and um, and his his entire outlook on life just because this one guy decided to make a decision that he thought was going to better himself. Um, and it, it speaks to how our decisions uh, affect the people around us, whether we want them to or not. Uh, it, it speaks to um, how a community works together and lives together and can thrive together or can tear each other apart. Uh, I, I thought it was fascinating as I, and as I'm processing it, it might, it might move up to four stars. I'll need to watch it again. Like I said, um, the funny thing is I watched this as part of my double feature on Friday night. And the other movie I watched with that was Armageddon time, the new film from James Gray, the, uh, first of many, uh, coming of Jane, coming of age, semi-autobiographical movies coming out this year. Uh, and I kind of had a similar vibe on that one, but I kind of like that one a little bit more out of the box. I'm actually giving that one four stars. Amazing movie. I don't think you guys are necessarily going to see it the same way, but I thought it was brilliant. But um, I just need to throw that out there. But Banshee's been a Sharon. I'm giving it a three and a half, a really, really high three and a half. Not a three yeah. and a half out of respect. A, ge- a genuine. A three genuine and a three and a half. That uh, could go that to four. Could go What's to four. The opposite out of respect. It's a disrespectful three and a half. It, there you go. There you go. Todd, where are you at on this? Well, the the other female character is, of course, the ghoul. Uh, you know, oh yes. Um, but and um, the, don- the donkey was a female too, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love this movie. It's, it's dry. It's simple. It's quiet. And I just thought it was hypnotic, like the entire thing. And and the story is relatable because the actors are really, really, really good. Like Farrell wears it on his sleeve. He makes you sympathize with them and you can absolutely feel it. And, the best he's ever been. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Brendan Gleeson, I think is sensational too. Like he, you can feel that just the disgust and also sadness radiating through his like rough exterior he, uh, it's an extremely high war performance too. And I think it feels like the best supporting actor winner for the year. Carrie Condon is given the most room to play it up. She's really good. And of course, Barry Keegan, he, he's basically like doing what he did in the green Knight. It's like, he's this like strange outsider who has really kind of a smaller part and just kills it. And, um, uh, I think that he, he and Caleb Landry Jones should play brothers in a Martin McDonough movie or something. Cause now it's two straight movies where they've had really kind of similar characters and like they, they absolutely could do something awesome. Um, the movie is absolutely heartbreaking because the main character is just, he's so earnest and you begin to understand the Colm character though, as it goes along and you start to almost go on his side. Like you feel how uncomfortable it is if you were to see somebody every single day that you used to know, but you don't want anything to do with anymore. And so it sort of like challenges your preconceived notions about how you treat people and the impact that your actions have on them and on like just the general importance of niceness and about like what constitutes like a life that's worth living. Um, I, I love the sweaters with the collars. I don't know. I, I didn't know that was a thing, but they, they should bring that uh, into the, with the state into the States. Um, it, it feels like more of like a John Michael McDonough movie than an actual Martin McDonough movie. But I think it, it's extraordinary. It basically is like a movie portraying the truth that like when a friendship ends, it, your whole life goes into a, into a, a evil and uh, eventually you'll get, to to the point of moving on but it does take a while and it does get ugly and i i, I looked up uh, colin farrell's golden globe speech from in bruges because i remember him he said something really profound but he, he said that script was simultaneously profound 
beautifully comic, wonderfully painful, and filled with delightful remorse and the sweetest redemptive qualities. And that is this movie as well. It's a four-star movie and the best movie of the year. Nice. Just talking through this, I'm going to four. It's a, I'm going four-star movie. It's, like I said, I needed to process it. I've been processing it while I've been talking with you guys. It's four-star movie. It's amazing. I'm, I'm sticking at three. Well, hey, we're thrice approved. approved. That's a step forward. When was when was the last time we were thrice approved when we all watched it for the same podcast episode? <laughs> oh, true. I feel I feel like whenever we're thrice approved, it's when it's it like trails its way in as we watch something. This is good. This is good. Okay, so we talked a little bit about about um, Oscar prospects of Tar. What are the Oscar prospects for Banshees of Inisherin? I think it it could get a lot. Like it, it could get like seven or eight nominations, and I, it's possible that four acting nominations come its way. How many did three billboards get? Three. Was it only three? It only got three nominations. No, three three acting nominations. Three acting nominations, but how many total nominations? Uh, it won two, which were two acting actress and supporting actor i'm looking it up here and had the other one, supporting two, actors three, screenplay four, five six seven it had seven nominations Score one five. actress and supporting actor picture other supporting actor uh score screenplay and editing could this get four nominations for acting could Farrell, gleason condon and keegan all get in it's, it's definitely awesome. possible i think i think three of them are are almost certain and then Keegan Colin Farrell is getting what? his first nomination this year okay right? but, but here's the interesting thing what if it pulls like a Judas and the Black Messiah and Gleason and Farrell get supporting actor nominations like I could see that you could make the case that it's a little bit ambiguous who's the lead in this movie and who's supporting I think it's more likely they both get um they both get lead yeah I mean that's a possibility too like it it's I don't I don't think it's clear delineation either way I think well, Gary Keegan's like, a bit of a stretch, though. Good it's on. like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in that way. I think I think Gleason is the Brad Pitt. He's winning supporting actor, and, and Farrell will get nominated yeah. for Best Actor. That's probably most likely. I don't think Colin Farrell can beat The Whale, though. I mean, well, The he, Whale is The Whale. Fair, no Farrell's going to win. Farrell's going to win all of the critic awards, and then once it once the televised stuff starts, then Brendan Gleason's going to win, just like Will Smith did last year. It's going to be the same story. Okay, but here's the thing: it's like is well, we ask this now: is there really an Oscar scene in this movie? Like, what are they? What scene are they going to play for both Gleason and particularly Farrell? Like, there's not really an Oscar moment. Farrell's Although, Oscar moment is the niceness monologue. Yeah, yeah, of course. That that was that was an extraordinary scene. Maybe Gleason would be when he when he first is explaining why he's or, or is saying that he didn't want to be his friend anymore. I think that that could be his scene. But he had all of his scenes are great. I can't I can't imagine any other actor playing the Cole. Uh, Bill Murray. No, not even close. <laughs> well, he couldn't do an Irish accent, but I think if the movie was well, maybe it's because I think he looks a little like Bill Murray now. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Liam Neeson or something, but it still wouldn't be the same. Like, oh, Liam Neeson would be interesting. It wouldn't have the same heart that, that Gleason has. Did Did you see? Uh, so Brendan Gleason hosted SNL a couple weeks ago, and uh, and the entire monologue he played his mandolin, which I thought was amazing. Um, and while he's doing it, obviously Colin Farrell had to pop out, so he pops out, and uh, and he's and uh, he was Brendan Gleason was talking about how Colin Farrell is very needy. And, uh, and he was like, uh, he was like, well, 
I, I, I am your favorite actor, right? He goes, yeah, I don't know about that. Or he's like, who's your favorite actor? And he's, and he says somebody else. And he goes, well, who's your favorite Irish actor with a first name that starts with C that you've worked with? And he went, Killian Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. It was good. Uh, yeah. I, I could see this one. I, all right. Prop bet. Who has more Oscar nominations on, on Oscar morning, Tar or Banshees? No question, Tar. <laughs> but you I guys seem to think that Banshees. I think well, it's okay. probably going to be Banshees because it's going to get all the acting nominations. And I think this one has a better shot below the line. It could get cinematography. It could get costumes. There, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. It just I don't know if editing is a possibility for this. This is, I think this is more, this is more like aesthetic-wise, Power of the Dog. I don't know. I mean, this movie, I don't think this movie had, okay, maybe I'm just reading too much in the movie and I'm extracting the things that I like about it. Here's what I like about this movie. I think this movie is a great portrait of depression and despair. It's not an uplifting movie doesn't end with some magical reconciliation of the characters spoiler alert right it actually has maturity and grace in the end to show that hey maybe these situations don't actually turn out magical and uplifting and i think that is not something that oscar voters jive with if this movie gets oscar nominations it's more because uh martin mcdonough has been nominated before and it's the year of colin farrell and i think less to do with the actual story of the movie if that makes sense again no slight to the movie I just think that there's, I, I think, extra, I don't know, paranarratives about this this movie more so than the story itself, which may also be true of Tar. Let's see. I think also, I, I think McDonough's been to the mountaintop more recently. Um, obviously, they showed they love him with the haul they gave three billboards. Um, well, they didn't nominate for director, but he has won an Oscar before for his short six shooter oh, back in yeah. the mid 2000s. Um, they nominated in Bruges for. For screenplay, I believe, right, Todd? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, they they they've Seven shown Psychopaths they is one of his best movies too. I, I love that movie, but that one got nothing except for like a spirit nomination. I remember something. nothing about that movie. I need to give it another <laughs> chance. Um, but yeah, it. I think I, I Banshees is getting a, a bigger haul. Like okay. we we're saying, all the all the acting nominations, it's got a better shot at director. I think it's got a better shot at picture, cinematography. It's it potentially is going to win screenplay. Um, it's not gonna. It's gonna beat the Fablemans. The Fablemans isn't a screenplay. Like, th th there's no way that's winning screenplay. If it wins screenplay, it's because they want to give uh, give Spielberg a screenplay Oscar. No, the, the screenplay is the only right, spot the that, that the Daniels are are gonna get in. Like, that, it's that's not based the, on objectively what's better or not. Like, it's based entirely on the marketing and then the the you know the, the storylines going. Well, in. if Fablemans is first, I'm gonna say Banshees is second. Could be. No, every every everything everywhere all at once is first for screenplay. And oh, then there's that too. Probably. That too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, okay, so here's the real question. Do you guys like this movie more than three billboards? Well, see, when we reviewed three billboards, I said it was the best movie since boyhood. And I I I've I've come back a little bit on that. I've I've watched three billboards like three or four times. It's still really good. I think this movie is a better movie than three billboards, but I think I like watching uh, I will like watching three billboards more. It's been a while since I've seen Three Billboards. I had to have to revisit it. Um, and like I said, I want to rewatch this one too. Um, this one is trying to say more for sure than uh, 
than three billboards or i think it, i think it's more profound yeah. i don't think it's necessarily trying to say more but it's it's what it's trying to say is is more profound i mean so three I billboards know. was a was a lightning rod in fact i feel like that's why it got some of the nominations it did to get people talking about movies uh, this movie is not a lightning rod. It's a movie that is is critically acclaimed and will be on a lot of top 10 lists, but it's not a movie that is uplifting or inspirational like the recent Best Picture winners. Oh, by the way, I did write down a note. Uh, Siobhan is the only character that I can think of named Siobhan outside of uh, the Boy Meets World episode when uh, Corey and Topanga have a prom and then they get intermingled with uh, Corey's parents. Siobhan? Yeah, the 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 fit the <laughs> Amy's uh alias. <laughs> yes. I hope you thought that too. Tom. I oh that's the first thing I thought of when I heard Siobhan. <laughs> Not the American Idol contestant. That's the first thing you thought of, Terry. I don't know. Do, do you remember do you remember that? I don't even remember what season that was. I think it was I thought of, familiar. of Chevron, the gas station, but also I had another theory about this movie, which is that Listen, if Calm and Patrick had movies and had a movie podcast, don't you think their relationship could have repaired? Like, they're they're bored. There's nothing to do on this island. There's no women. There's dr drinking, but drinking only gets you, you know, so far. Like, they just need more stimulation in their life. That's the problem. The real LVP of the movie is the fact that it takes place in 1923. Like, yes. let's put them in modern times to so give them some, you know, distraction. It would have been the same media. movie if it was in That's modern times. That's obviously what Calm means needs is uh, he's trying to get away from useless chatter, so he's going to start a podcast. I think he's more of an Instagram content creator, like he, you know, probably a TikTok star with the with the you know uh, three hand three fingered fiddle. Like he could be a superstar online. I mean, TikTok, TikTok would allow his uh, his music to live on forever. So, I think we need some TikTok uh, or Instagram uh, accounts for the animals in this movie. I, I would follow it. <laughs> all right well we are thrice approved on that todd and i are giving it four zach has it at three with a potential of a three and a half later on we'll see it's it's staying at three out of spite <laughs> of course of course but it is thrice approved we're not but, we're not going to come off of that but i agree brendan gleason is tremendous in the movie and i i would be rooting for him for best supporting actor that would be cool it would be cool to see him win uh, and I would love to see Barry Keegan also get the nomination. All right. There's a whole bunch of people this year that are going to get their first actor nomination. It's yeah. like way more than normal. Yep. Okay, let's move on. It's time for a spotlight segment. Spotlight. And for our spotlight segment, we are doing uh, a couple Mount Rushmore's. Uh, we're going to go through these pretty quick as we are uh, celebrating the Houston Astros winning the World Series, uh, which happened last night. There was a potential that while we were talking right now, we'd be watching Game 7. Uh, but that didn't happen because they took care of business last night. Astros, World Series champs. Mattress uh, Mac, the ultimate degenerate. Dude, how much did he win? It was 70... like 75 million? Yeah. Dude, that... Uh, you know what that takes? That takes brass balls. Brass balls <laughs> of steel, as, as Zach said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in honor of uh, in honor of the World Series, uh, we are going to do a Mount Rushmore of the greatest Houston movies of all time and the greatest 
uh, Philadelphia movies of all time in honor of the Philadelphia Phillies, the losing team in the World Series. Uh, this should be fun. Um, all right, we're going to go to uh, Houston 1, so we're going to start with Houston. Todd, you're first. Not, well, non-negotiable is, of course, Apollo 13, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think that, that we can pretty well say Apollo 13 should be the non-negotiable, yes. Okay, well, uh, so after that, it did, I don't really know that Houston has a great um, representation in films, so I'm going to go with Red Rocket. Uh, I believe they call it Texas City, but I'm thinking I'm pretty sure it was shot in Houston. Wow. And uh, Red Rocket is a, I mean, it's a, it's a really weird movie. Uh, we all were fans of it. Of course, Simon Rex should have been nominated for an Oscar. I, I think it was it Houston. Take, it doesn't take place in Houston. It's like a small town in the middle of Texas. There, I think there's it was not Houston. There's no scene in that movie that takes place in Houston. Well, it's called Texas City. It's like in the boonies. It's in the middle of nowhere. But I, it's a great movie. I mean, we all loved it, but I wouldn't call it a Houston movie. And I think there's actually, there, there's a nice, rich, it's fairly rich cinematic tradition of Houston movies. I don't know. All right, so we're going, we're going Red Rocket. Todd, Todd goes Red Rocket. Zach, where are you going? Oh, I'm going Terms of Endearment. I mean, we're, we're going to deep dive it next year, but, <laughs> you know, there's an astronaut in every corner in Houston, just like. Academy Award winner Jack Nicholson as Garrett Breedlove, another Academy Award winning performance of Shirley MacLaine as Aurora Greenway. Uh, I mean, I will start. You know, we're getting into 2023. I, I love this movie. It's in my top 100, not number 69, uh, but it's a great Houston movie that makes a great use of the <coughs> locales. You know, the iconic scene of them driving on the beach. The, the the actual house is in Houston. The movie was shot in Houston, which is, you know, most of the time, you know, these movies are filmed in other locations. But uh, I think it's great. Uh, and, um, you know, it's a movie that couldn't take place in, an, in another city. And I think, you know, Houston's not particularly iconic, but uh, it is iconic for space and for a shoreline. And uh, this movie has both those things. And it's an Oscar winner. Space Sadly, Red Rocket is not. Red Rocket is listed on Wikipedia as a movie set set in Houston. I'll take that. Okay. There's a list of like a hundred movies, and that's one of them. It's a good. It's okay. a. It's a great movie. So, I'm I'm glad it's represented. We never did a formal review of that movie, but it was, I believe, my number four of last year. I think Terry's still struggling. I, I I'm looking I, I through the, the list right the Paul now. Paul thirteen. The Paul thirteen came a shock to him that that was the Mount Rushmore. So now he has you, to you know, redo it. Oh, oh, that's what I'm going with. I'm going with Boyhood. Yeah, that was my second. Um, I mean they they go to a they go to a, a Houston Astros game. So Roger I mean Clinton. we gotta we gotta go with Boyhood. Well, I don't think the whole thing is in Houston. I think it's mostly in Austin, right? But they go to the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and enough of it is set in Houston that I think it counts. That's a good um, question. I haven't watched it recently. I feel like the majority of that movie is in Houston. Maybe it's ambiguous, but a couple others that I was looking at on this list that we could have gone with. It says uh, the movie X starts in Houston. I just watched that. I watched that was our Halloween night uh, feature film, so I just watched that one. That one's good. Um, the Wikipedia list also says Paris, Texas. Yeah, I count. saw that too. It has scenes in Houston, but I wouldn't call it a Houston movie per se. I guess right. Rush, Rushmore was the other one I was thinking about. Rushmore, uh, yeah, that was on here too. Um, Towelhead is a movie I haven't seen in a long time, but I really liked it when I did. 
that that's another yeah, one that you could you could look at it's a dumb movie the only one i thought of was jason's lyric that's a good movie i haven't seen it in a long time but that definitely takes place in houston that's like a big plot point in that movie that it takes place in houston best best 2022 movie set in houston is apollo 10 and a half there we go i mean that's actually a legit pick as well <laughs> yeah all right but we're going with apollo 13 red rocket terms of endearment and boyhood Moving on to Philadelphia films, do we want to put anything? Well, listen, can, in, in honor of Houston, can we just cheat and just, you know, say Apollo 13 is the best and not even mention any other Houston movies? Because they're it's it's a home of cheaters, so. True. I mean, the, the most iconic movie line ever is, uh, or it, from any movie involving Houston. Houston, we have a problem. I mean, Marilyn Lovell didn't even like Houston. She said, let's sell the house. Like, come on. They didn't, you know. Bill Paxton was from Mississippi. He never thought he'd make it to space. Like, screw Houston. You are cheaters. All right. Philadelphia movies. Moving on to that. <laughs> uh, Zach. We're there are a start couple with that we could say are non-negotiable. Do we want to do the non-negotiable talk? Well, or I think, what's, it's I think it's fair Rocky, to do this right? one. Are we going to say Rocky? Got to be. We, I was we, thinking we, Philadelphia. And or Rocky, <laughs> I think Rocky. I think if we're gonna say that there's a non-negotiable, it's Rocky. Like there's not there there's no more iconic Philadelphia film than Rocky. The title is Philadelphia. There's a freaking <laughs> statue. That's a that's a landmark in the city. Okay, you know See, the, where the Declaration of Independence was signed. The real problem is this means that someone has to choose Philadelphia, and it's not going to be me. See, this is why I wanted the to Philadelphia wait until afterwards. I'm not. Okay, just go anywhere. go go Zach. Uh, I'm going gonna, gonna to pick an M. Night Shyamalan movie because he sets all of his mm -hmm. movies in Philadelphia. I'm going with The Sixth Sense, which is set in Philadelphia. Great use, great Philadelphia locations. Bruce Willis was dead in it, so I don't know how much he could enjoy Philadelphia. But uh, <laughs> it's definitely um, a, a Philadelphia movie, just like all of uh, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's movies, ex ex except Signs, which was in Bucks County, which I'm not sure where that is. Uh, all right. Um, let's see here. What's that movie you made last year? Old. That was, that was on a beach. Philadelphia. That wasn't in Philadelphia. That was not in Philly. <laughs> Todd, I'll go to you next because I'm still figuring out what I want to do. Uh, well, I'll just say I want to go with my my favorite scene or sequence ever set in Philadelphia is, of course, a history of violence. Uh, and because <laughs> William Hurt is the Philadelphia mob, and that sequence is probably the last like 25 minutes of the movie. And it's it, it those Philadelphia accents are very thick. And I, I, I love that scene. And so I'll go with that. So Todd picks Philadelphia and Houston movies not set in Philadelphia or Houston. I like it. It's on brand. <laughs> a history of violence. That Lovely. movie, what, like 20, you're right, 20 minutes of that movie. And William you can't Hurt's even tell it's Philadelphia. It's just like in a black room. Yeah. But There's it, nothing about Shyamalan that says Philadelphia either, so... That movie at least has some scenes where they're walking and there's a church and there's a balloon or something. I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit more iconic. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I could pick Philadelphia. But I think I'm going to go Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, that was another one. I mean, that, that's, that's... Yeah, that's... I mean, if we're talking... Uh, in a podcast where we're talking about being degenerate, I think we have to mention Silver Linings Playbook on the Mount Rushmore Philadelphia movies. Make sure you're holding the, the remote. It's good luck. Bradley Cooper didn't bet in that though. But they, you know, there was there was good luck. See, the problem with the problem with Silver Linings Playbook, which was which predates our podcast, 
is that for a movie obsessed with the Philadelphia Eagles, it completely neglects to mention that it takes place in the same weeks that the Philadelphia Phillies won their first in one of their only World Series titles. Yet inexplicably, it just ignores the whole thing. So that to me is almost a point against Silver Linings Playbook as a Philadelphia movie. But I, I respect the pick. At least it takes place in Philadelphia, unlike other movies on this list. Part yeah, of it's in it, Philadelphia. Part part of it. Part of it. <laughs> well, technically Apollo 13, most of it takes place in outer space. So. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's <laughs> that a fair, fair point. point. <laughs> uh, so we're leaving Philadelphia off and a Philadelphia story off. Yeah. My my uh, I'm gonna say my my honorable mention is uh, episode two of the uh, John Adams miniseries. There we go. Because mm. that'll well, take place in Philadelphia. I was thinking National Treasure because yeah, there's a lot of it uh, in Philadelphia. And Invincible is a is a also a very Philly movie, but it basically is like a remake of Rocky. Nice. Yeah, I and went. With... Oh, go ahead. Twelve Monk Twelve Monkeys was another one that I, I think it starts in Philadelphia. I'm, and I, I love Twelve Monkeys. We never talk about that movie. I've never seen 12 Monkeys. You know, um, that'd be a good uh, assignment. Um, I wrote down Best in Show and uh, the Idris Elba Cowboy movie. And of course, the uh, <laughs> the garbage picking Philadelphia phenomenon. I mean, we can't forget that. That's got to be up there. It's got to be. It's gotta By the be. way, you know, I was thinking about this. I, I'm assuming you guys are the same. I feel like Philadelphia and Houston are the two biggest U.S. cities that I've never been to. I've been to Philly. Um, okay. Oh yeah, you go there with uh, your students. Yeah, right? I go there with my kids. We okay. we we do a day there in between DC and and uh, New York. All right. So for Houston, we have a problem. Uh, Apollo thirteen, oh, Red Rocket, Terms of Endearment, and Boyhood. For Philadelphia, we have Rocky, A History of Violence, The Sixth Sense, and Silver Linings Playbook. I kinda, I like those. Those turned out pretty good. I would have. I wish that there was like a, a one off like. Boy Meets World movie or something like they did with Saved by the Bell, I totally would have chosen it. <laughs> we get Siobhan in that movie. There we go. <laughs> now we're talking. All right. Boy Meets World should have been your Philadelphia pick. Come on, Todd. It's, it's, it's not oh, a movie. Man. But uh, who cares? That, you know, that, that, we have a cheating team that won the World Series, so I think we can cheat. I mean, I think cheating was picking History of Violence. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, it made sense to cheat when you picked uh, when you're picking the Houston pick. All right, let's get into our next topic, which is our power rankings. You can't top that. Yeah, that's the movie about the horse. I'm going to pull an audible at the last minute here. That's because I haven't seen it. Power rankings. Not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again. And Todd won this one, and so he got to pick our topic, which uh, turned out to be quite the doozy, but this is going to be a lot of fun. Tell us what we're doing, Todd. Uh, so, uh, I think in the next couple of weeks, uh, she said comes out, which I think we're all looking forward to. It, it looks really good. It, reviews are great. And so I did, I mean, it's a simple title, but there is a pronoun in the title. And so I decided, yeah, we'll do best movies with a pronoun in the title. It could be any pronoun. There's like a hundred pronouns. Uh, so it, it didn't exactly narrow things down, but it, it, it does make for an interesting collection of movies, I think. But you did put a couple stipulations on this that made it a lot more difficult. Yeah, so you can only have used a pronoun once in your in your top five, and you also have to go one per decade, which is something we used to do a lot, but we haven't done that in probably a year. <laughs> and and what made what made this tough is then you had to like really be strategic about okay, 
if I'm going to use this pronoun for this decade, then I can't use this movie that might be better than another movie, but mm -hmm. I need to be able to make my list. So it, it made for a, an interesting, uh, an interesting thought process as, as we were putting this together. Um, and of course, predicting Adam is going to be an absolute bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well said. Well said. Um, yes. And I, I don't know how much thought he put into it. I, I texted him about an hour before we were uh, getting on. And uh, I was like, hey, you haven't sent me your list yet. You normally do. And his response was, damn, I'll get right on that. So uh... <laughs> that, that bodes well. Yeah, that bodes well for a, for a quality uh, quality list there. I don't know. It might, it might turn out right. He spent the whole hour working on it. He sent it to us right as we started recording. Okay, I'm going to go first here. My number five, so I did, I, I was able to do all different ones. Uh, my number five is my 2010s pick. I had several that I could pick from um, that I was, I was considering. Um, I was considering, uh, won't you be my neighbor? That's got two in it. I was considering I, Tanya. That's got mm. one in it. I was considering possibly the, the one I really wanted to go with, but I, I really it sorry to bother you would be a lot of fun to go with because it's always fun mentioning that movie but really when it came down to it it's time i actually put it on a power ranking number five is we bought a zoo oh there we go <laughs> i had to mention yes it. an iconic I, day i don't know why i have this irrational love for this movie but uh the the first it's time cameron I saw crow. it, I, it's cameron crow he he does sappy uh, nostalgia and um, and all that and uh, better than anybody and I love it and he, he pulls it out perfectly here the kids give great performances Matt Damon is the heart of this movie and it was before Matt Damon being the heart of the movie was kind of a bad thing um, and uh, yeah I, I, I don't know why but I love this movie Thomas Hayden Church too come on man Thomas Hayden Church so my number five, we bought a zoo. I don't care what you think. It's a beautiful pick. <laughs> you can respect the pick. <laughs> so that's it. That was his last movie, right? Cameron Crowe. Has he done one since? Was it? He just I like quit doing know. stuff. I mean, he had the the Pearl Jam documentary, but let me look here. Cameron Crowe. Aloha was more recent. Um, yeah. Another banger. I'd love to deep dive that movie. And then he did, uh, he did a TV show called Roadies. I remember when that was coming out and flopped. Like nobody watched it. 2016. Yeah. So Aloha, We Bought a Zoo, and then the Pearl Jam documentary was the same year as We Bought a Zoo, and then Elizabeth Town, Vanilla Sky, Almost Famous. He just doesn't make many movies. But it has been a while. It has been a while. So, all right. Uh, we're going to go to Zach next, number five. All right, I'm going to go with my 2020s pick, uh, which is a movie that I will forever associate with the pandemic, along with a whole lot of others, I guess. Um, but the movie is She Dies Tomorrow. Oh, you, you nice that call. Or did, did either of you see that? <coughs> we, we reviewed it on the podcast. Yeah, we all reviewed we it. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, then I'm glad. Well, there we go. Was it thrice approved? I, no, I think someone gave it one star. Really? Was that person Let's Terry? Since it since that would have 
might have been Adam. I don't know. I'm oh, Adam. Well, anyway, I kind of love this movie. I mean, I've thought about it a lot since it came out, and it wasn't like on my top t- ten list or anything. But like, it was just a funky, weird movie that came out at the perfect time because basically it was just a metaphor for COVID, even though it was filmed completely before COVID. Yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah, good. I I love movies like this. It says Todd Todd and Zach give it three stars. Adam and Terry. Uh, one and a half and one stars. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> that's that's the kind of movie we need. It that's was a fun Gotham City movie to talk about when we reviewed that. <laughs> it was a fun discussion. I will say that. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a fun movie, and she dies tomorrow, and I love how like they become obsessed with the idea that they're dying tomorrow. It was such a strange, unusual premise, and yet it was so perfect for COVID, and the acting was funky in it. It's also like ninety minutes. I mean, come on, that's you know that's giving that's gonna give me a half star boost just for that. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. I, I love that movie. I did not go with a 2020s movie. The only one I considered was I'm thinking of ending things. Mm. I thought that movie that, sucked. I, I wasn't was a, a huge movie. I wasn't a huge fan of it. And that was the thing is I there were none that I really loved that had a that that had a pronoun in it from the 2020s. So I just didn't go with one. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Todd, number five. My number five is my 1960s pick. Uh, it's a movie. It's for me. It's like borderline Fargo at this point, where it could be on every single list. It's Doctor Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Wearing and Love the Bomb. Yep, yep. Uh, it's only appeared on my movie and TV soldiers and my dark comedies list, uh, which it probably could be on almost all of them, though. Yeah, it's. Um, I only have it down here really because technically. Uh, it, it probably would be my top movie, but the pronoun comes in the subtitle, so it almost it almost never gets said when you're saying the title of the movie. But it's one of the best movies ever made. It's probably Kubrick's best movie. And, of course, a commentary on uh, one of Austin Powers' two biggest fears, and not Carney's uh, nuclear war. Uh, number number five, Dr. Strangelove. Well played, well played. Uh, number four on my list. Uh, I'm going back to the 50s for this one, and there were two movies I was considering for this spot. Uh, I'm not sure if I love, I no, I'm going with the one I, I, I went with here. The other one I was considering is it's always fair weather, which is a great Gene Kelly, uh, musical, um, the, the but classic not, scene where they're dancing. It's, what? it's, is not a pronoun unless you're talking about like an possessive, like it's smell or something like that. Right. Or it's taste. It's with an apostrophe is it is. So that's a contraction, right? Let's get but, cast. But it, but it is a. It is always fair weather. Yeah, it it would be a pronoun there. Just because it's in a contraction doesn't mean it doesn't count. Mm, I think we need an English major to uh, be the judge on this one. I said I'm thinking of ending things earlier, and you didn't balk at that. Well, that's I, I. That's like, that's a personal pronoun. It is. Did Terry, did you ask your wife? I did did talk to my wife, and she said that she refused to take any, uh, to take any stance on anything because. Because because Zach was just going to give her shit for whatever she said. So <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Cassie needs to be an objective judge. She's an English major. She should know this stuff. So I I had a very hard time with this list because of the pronouns. I don't know what a pronoun is. I guess. She's currently in the room. So uh, Zach says you're the objective judge because you're the English major. So we'll say what your pick was. What's what's what? the verdict? Remember how English works? <laughs> she just says, "Do you remember how English works, Zach?" No. Because it doesn't. That that was her response. <laughs> <laughs> she did make the fun, the interesting comment that the only reason people know what pronouns are these days in grammar is because people can choose them now. 
Okay, well, l- listen, here's the thing. Mm. is I was going to choose It's a Wonderful Life as my 40s movie, but I don't think it's is a pronoun. It is a pronoun. So okay, a movie well, with IT I'll... apostrophe S in it counts as a movie with a pronoun in it, right? right. Would you agree, Cassie? She thinks you're Major a moron. Major says I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I didn't actually say that, but I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyways, my pick is not... The one I mentioned, it's always for oh, weather. Okay. My pick is a little movie I watched uh, on TCM one time that has a total of 432 views, and I gave it four stars. It's my number one of 1958. It's called I Married a Woman. Mm. Uh, it, I mentioned it a couple times before. It stars uh, George Goebel and Diana Doors, and uh, it uh, is about this ad exec who is um, trying to come up with this uh, this great ad campaign but at the same time he's worried his his wife is is uh is not is not being faithful at the same time it's this funny little rom-com that is hilarious and delightful and i loved it so i married a woman it's my number four this is going to be an interesting list yeah it is it is I love this movie, though. I really do. And it, it's available nowhere or else I'd assign it to one of you. All right. Number four to Zach. All right. is Let's ask Cassie. Is they a pronoun? Absolutely. They is a pronoun. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> Just so we're sure. She's not even in the room anymore, but I can I can rule on that one. They is a pronoun. All right. Good. Because that's in my that's in my number four, which is from 1960 something, 69. They shoot horses, don't they? Ah. Great movie. Haven't seen it in a little while, but I remember being really freaked out by it. Uh, it's a movie directed by Sidney Pollock, who we talked about a few weeks ago with uh, Tootsie. Tootsie's not a pronoun. Uh, and it's about um, a dance competition in the 1930s. Um, and the whole movie is basically just Jane Fonda and uh, some other dude, I don't know his name, not Gig Young, who won the Oscar. He's the MC at the event. But they're just, you know, it's a great depression. They got nothing else going and they want to win this, you know, $10,000 prize or actually I don't even think it's that much. I feel like it's like a thousand dollar prize. It's, it's like nothing. And uh, what's fascinating about the movie, Jane Fonda said later that the reason she did it was because it was essentially about French, French existentialism in the sense that they just dance uh, literally for days and weeks and months on end nonstop and people collapse and die. Um, it's a really brutal movie and uh, it's, you know, very edgy. It's shot in that kind of Nouvelle Vogue, 1960s, nonlinear fashion of editing that was very you know popular in the 1960s, but kind of holds up well for that movie. It's a very depressing movie. It kind of makes me think that if Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson had entered a dance competition, that could have helped their relationship, too. Again, it's just that that island had nothing going on. Anyway, I really dig that movie. It's got a pronoun in it. Actually, I think it has two pronouns in it, one at the beginning and at the end. So I should get double points for that. And it's got a horse. We've been talking horses in, on this episode. It's it's a great movie. I, it, I'm sure it's not available anywhere, but it is a, a fascinating movie that uh, people should watch. No, I haven't seen They Should Horses, don't they, in a long I haven't, time. So. I have, I've never seen it. Well, All right. My number four Go for it, Todd. Is- Sorry. It's my 1950s <laughs> movie, and it also has it in the title. It is some like it hot. Uh, I 
which uh, of all the cross-dressing movies that Colin Coward loves is probably, this is the best one. I mean, I'm sure he loves this movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's AFI's top ranked comedy of all time, which I still think is a little strange, but uh, I, I do not have a problem with it. I haven't seen it in a while, but the couple times I did, I was absolutely just riveted by it. It's a, it's kind of a perfect movie and the best performances ever by Marilyn Monroe and Tony Curtis and uh, Billy Wilder's most watchable movie for sure. Uh, and I love it. And it is a pronoun. So there you go. Number four. Awesome. I thought you were going to say that when you kept talking about the 50s. I was like, he's going to eventually just say my number four. And you're like, nope. I haven't seen it. Oh. I haven't seen that one. Bummer. I know. All right. Uh, My number three. We're going to the 2000s. I'm kind of just going through my my honorable mentions as I go along. Uh, But my others under consideration for my 2000s pick. Uh, it's complicated, which is a movie I, I another movie I irrationally love. Uh, Away we go, yeah. Which I think one of us mentioned was a great Sam Mendes pick. Uh, I love you, man. Yeah, I, I love you, man. Uh, one like rom coms for Terry. Uh, <laughs> a, a couple movies, a couple movies in other languages that have pronouns in it, like Parisia Tem or Itu Mama Tambien. Uh, but the one I decided to go with is Flags of Our Fathers. Nice. Um, it, it's a it's a brilliant movie, and it helps that that when you're thinking about Flags of Our Fathers, you can think about Letters from Iwo Jima as well, which doesn't have a pronoun in the title, but it is a command, companion piece to uh, to Flags of Our Fathers. Um, it might be Clint Eastwood at his finest, uh, making these two these two World War II movies uh, that work so well together and tell such compelling stories, uh, not just about war. And the ugliness of war, but also uh, how uh, war can be celebrated or propagandized. Uh, how uh, different cultures look at war—they're really great. Uh, Letters is better, but Flags of Our Fathers is still really, really good. So it's my number three. That was on my honorable mentions. So good one. Nice, nice, nice. All right, Zach, number three. Uh, is what's a pronoun? No. Damn it. <laughs> I I asked the same question of my wife. I I must admit, and she said no. What is not a pronoun? Okay. What about the the word I, but in a foreign language? Does it mean a pronoun? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> what's the translation of the title? Uh. Uh, according to uh it doesn't have an english translation i'm gonna go with it because this is a ridiculous <laughs> list and i've got this is an amazing else. list i really like this list i'm gonna go with e vitaloni from 1953 which i'm pretty sure is not using the i pronoun in the proper way but i think terry's pick is bullshit because it's is not a pronoun either although i guess he didn't go with that did i didn't he? pick it god damn it well i don't i don't have a whole lot <laughs> else that i can go with i'm really lost it, here it is a pronoun Evidaloni translates to the veal calves. So there's no more more livestock on this podcast. Okay. All right. All right. Wait, wait. I think I might have found one. Okay. Here's here's another question. Is you and you've different? I had this question for Todd, uh, and he said no. Oh. But because they're both they're both you, it's just one is a contraction. Who knew? That this podcast was going to get so grammatical, uh, yeah, those are those would be considered the same pronoun. 
Now, now you, I would say you and Todd, you can respond to this if you want. You and your, like Y-O-U-R, like the possessive you, would be considered two separate pronouns, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. How do you not have your list yet? Well, I, I did, but then it got kind of messed up. Um, I because think. he forgot how grammar works. I did sort of forget. And according how. to my wife. What about you it and doesn't. your? You and your are, is that different? Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> well, no, I said. Well, I said you've, you've, and, and you are different. But you and your are different. Are that which your? Is it is it the contraction your or is it the possessive your? Possessive. That those are two different ones. Okay, fine. Like I like I used we and our, and those are two different pronouns. Okay, fine. Then I'll go with call me by your name. There that we counts, go. Right. That that counts. All right. That's got two in it. That's well. Me, me, and your are both pronouns. I don't understand English. I was not an English speaker. <laughs> uh, I like call me by your name. It's an Oscar winner. I wasn't really prepared to talk about it, but I will say that over the summer I read James uh, Ivory's autobiography, which was a really good book. He just came out with it, and he talks a little bit about call me by your name. Him and Luca Guadagnino did not always get along. He kind of calls him out as an asshole. Um, in part because, um, uh, well, I can't exactly remember why, but it was interesting. Uh, the bottom line is they wanted to go, both of them, I think, wanted to go way more gay sex than the studio wanted. Um, but uh, sadly, we were left with something that actually it's not sadly because it's a, it's a great movie. It's still a classic movie. And uh, James Ivory is cool. James Ivory grew up in Oregon. That's part of why I read it. He went to the University of Oregon. Everybody just assumes he's from England for some reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe because all his freaking movies are Merchant Ivory bullshit. But uh, Call Me By Your Name is really good. Is he still the oldest Oscar winner? Or is that uh, is that the composer Marconi? I, did he break Marconi's record? I can't remember. But anyway, it was did, long did, overdue. Didn't Ivory win after Morricone? Yeah, yeah it would have been 2017. But uh, there we go. That's <laughs> my take on Call Me By Your Name. I definitely prepared that. Don't forget, Zach almost had a PhD, everyone. <laughs> Not in English. I teach math. I understand what the how this works even better. All right. Todd, number three. My number three is my 2000s pick. It, it involves your. It is a guide to recognizing your saints. Oh, there we go. Ditto uh, Montiel's best movie, movie, the story of his childhood. He got Downey and Shia LaBeouf to play him. He's got the man, Eric Roberts, and Shannon Tatum playing his best friend, Rosario Dawson, Chad Palminteri, Diane Weiss, a great cast. And I uh, um, this is the first list list I put it on, but I, I've been like all in on this movie since I saw like a, got a couple spirit nominations back in like 2006. I love it. Zach claimed to not like it when he when I had him watch it, so whatever. It's a it's a great <laughs> movie. Guide to recognizing your saints. Nice. I've reckon recommended it to basically everybody I know. <laughs> it's a really I, it's a it's a Todd movie for sure. High on the Todd level. Never seen it. I think Terry would probably like it. I mean, he's got, we got, we bought a zoo on his list. So I feel like, it I might feel have, like I might already be know what this movie is about and I've never seen it, but I kind of have an idea. Okay. Uh, my number two, uh, by the way, I, I thought of another one for the 2020s that actually would make a lot of sense. I think Todd might've watched it. Uh, it was a, it was a straight to Peacock Kevin Bacon horror film called they, them. Mm that talks about like gender conversion camp mm -hmm. that turns into like a slasher 
I don't think I haven't no. seen that. It must Anyways, have been Adam. It must have been Adam. It was supposed to suck. Anyways, uh, my my number two pick is from the forties. Uh, I had several options for 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 the 40s. One might be one that pops up on Todd's list a little later. There's a couple that might pop up on Todd's list a little later. Uh, but the one I went with might be the most um, under uh, under appreciated best picture winner of all time, and that's How Green Was My Valley. Because um, it's a really great movie. It's just everyone knows it as the movie that lost to Citizen Kane. But Citizen it is... Kane. Or that, that beat Citizen King. Um, that Citizen King lost to. It is a really great movie. And uh, it's it's a John Ford film that uh, with starring uh, oh, Maureen O'Hara. And I thought Henry Fonda was in this one, but he's not. So I'm not going to mention that. Uh, but <laughs> but it, it's a really great movie about this mining community in Wales. And uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. But I remember thinking, like, this is actually a legit movie. And everyone that craps on it just, one, loves Citizen Kane, and two, has never seen How Green Was My Valley. So it's my number two. I really like that movie, too, but I haven't seen it since we first watched it together. Did we watch it together? I own it now. It's, it's kind awesome. of that movie just gets relegated to trivia now. Like it's you know it's a Jeopardy question, but but you know the people I've never seen it, but the people who have seen it, like Terry and Todd, say it's good. So it's a solid movie. Like it it act for for a '40s film when they could be so vanilla. It's got some real depth to it. So uh, yeah, Todd, no or no, not Todd. No. Zach, number two. Okay, number two, if I'm getting this right, uh, I have more questions, but I'm just going to move on. I'm just baffled by this category. I, I think this one will work. It is my number one movie of the year 2000. It is You Can Count On Me, which and you is a pronoun. Just for and sure, so right? is me. Oh, there, okay, there we go. Yeah, double downing on that shit. <laughs> have you not used either of those yet? No, I was not aware of me. Or call Me By Your Name could have been that one. <laughs> yeah. I think I have the most pronouns so far. If I'm counting this right, I have seven pronouns so far of my four <laughs> entries. So I should get some sort of door prize. Anyway, um, you can count on me. Yeah, great movie. Um, I know we've disagreed a little bit about our old friend Ken. I feel like Ken is a little bit of an asshole in real life. Like, he seemed really, really pissed that uh, Manchester by the Sea got kind of shafted by the Oscars, even though it's not really that great of a movie. Bye is not a pronoun right that's a preposition okay and talk like that in anyway um you can count on me is the movie that we all love on this podcast and laura linney uh you know was amazing and it should have won best actress introduced the world to mark ruffalo uh kieran culkin is great rory culkin is great in it and um matthew broderick in the post-election sort of type douchey role that he was really good at in the late 90s and early 2000s he's great in it it's the most polished screenplay by Kenneth Lonergan. I I recently texted Todd. Did I? I can't remember if I texted Todd or not. A really good power ranking someday would be top movie brothers and sisters. And Terry and Sammy, who are both my friend and my wife, in a weird coincidence, uh, would make a great brother sister duo uh, from the movies. So in our hypothetical power ranking, anyway, that's my number uh, two. Wow, that means, but. The, because the character names I'm, are Terry. I'm glad. I see. I, I'm I'm glad that uh that you uh have established earlier on this podcast that uh, you just don't listen because 
you teach children. <laughs> I do. It's kind of scary. You don't. I don't, don't teach them English. How though. English works. That that's good. <laughs> Clearly. Oh, is is by a pronoun. Good grief. All right, Todd, number two. Uh, so this would be if if I was going to cheat, this would be where it is. It's, I don't think it's cheating. It's my 2020s pick, and it is uh, Quovadis Aida, which translates to "Where are you going, Aida?" But Vadis is like, "Are you going?" So there is a U in there. You, there's a U. I'll go with it. I know, that, but that counts. It's part of a, a part of a, a foreign word. Uh, it's all, it was on my top ten of 2021, and we were all like over the moon with it when we watched it. Um, it's a devastating breathless thriller about something that we weren't really all that knowledgeable of like the the conflict and it's it's sad but it's a it's a brilliant display of just resilience i, I love the movie i still haven't seen it i don't know why I you but had I no i haven't was was it adam that watched it later probably, on probably gave it a lukewarm review maybe i don't know i mean it was both our number twos last year was <coughs> not no i think it was your three right todd after your uh the worst person in the world. That sounds right. Does the worst person in the world have any pronouns in it? No. Person. No. 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 Okay. no. I wouldn't put it on my person list. Person doesn't but... count. It's Does a great person pick, count? Person I, might count. Ask the expert. Consult the expert no, right now. She's downstairs gambling. I don't know. I think okay. a 2022 <laughs> person counts. It's possible. It's possible. All right. So what about like people? Could we go people versus Larry Flint? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Look it up. That's, not, I mean, right. that's debatable. I don't know. That is debatable. <laughs> I'll 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 text the expert and, and find out. All right. I don't think any of us are picking that movie though, right? No, probably no, not. It wasn't on our list. Okay. All right. Number one for me. There was only one option for number one once I did some research on There's no crying in movies. baseball. Exactly. It's my 90s pick. It's a league of their own. It's the only one I could have gone with as my number one. It's a league of their own. There's no crying in baseball. Um, Still well, yeah. Angel. Still well, Angel. Doesn't that hurt them? Um, David Strathairn, <laughs> not a Southern lawyer. Know, if I was you, I'd kill myself. Hold on. Let me see if I can find a pistol. Uh, it's my number one. A League of Their Own. Moving on. Well, anytime exactly. League of Their Own and uh, We Bought a Zoo are on the same list, we know who's making that list. Um, <laughs> my number one is uh, a Zach movie, and it uses the pronoun my, and it is My Dinner with Andre. Um, classic 80s movie. Eight, yeah, 81. And uh, Louis Mal is the director, and uh, Wally Sean and Andre, boy, am I forgetting? Andre Gregory uh, are in it. And obviously, it's a great movie. It's on the Criterion Collection. Um, and I love it. Wally, Wally, Sean, and uh, Andre Gregory teamed up for Vanya on 42nd Street um, in the 90s, which is a really underrated movie. Uh, they also did an episode in the Criterion Closet, um, which is really interesting to watch on YouTube. Anyway, I, Terry's got a league of their own. I've got my dinner with Andre. Uh, Todd, can we hear about the usual suspects? No, no, no pronoun. No, that. no, we're gonna hear about meet me in St. Louis, <laughs> <laughs> or no. unfaithfully yours. Yeah, Those there we the, go. Those the, were the, the two from Harrison the '40s one. that I thought he could mention. No, it's not gonna be my number one. My number one, it had to be number one. It's my 2010s pick, and it is 
her. It is. Uh, yeah, oh, yes, of course. Of my course. my number two love story of the 2010s when we did that list. Uh, you know, uh, it's Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with his computer. And um, it's beautifully shot. It's really just an unusual story like spike jones is one of those like todd field ish directors like i would kill for him to make more movies he's only made a few like being john malkovich adaptation where the wild things are and this and this was nine years ago that he won his oscar for this this is kind of his masterwork it's just a brilliant script and it's definitely the best movie title that is only a pronoun so i think that's why it has to be number one it's a good call it's a good call are there can you are there any other great movies where there's only a pronoun? It. Yeah, there is that. There is that. You about that or is that a TV show? That was. Oh a, yeah, I think that good, was a TV show. It's a great TV show. Isn't that them? Isn't that like a sci-fi movie? It's also the book that Joyce Carol Oates wrote that Blonde was based on. Uh, them. Yes. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go through Fascinating. five to one, and then talk about some some honorable mentions as, as we continue to debate grammar on our podcast here. My five to one, number five, we bought a zoo. Number four, I married a woman. Number three, flags of our fathers. Number two, how green was my valley? And number one, a league of their own. Zach, lovely. Uh, number five was She Dies Tomorrow, which I'm realizing was a stupid freaking pick. I, I, there are so many other, so many other 2020s movies, but I don't. I think I just didn't know what a pronoun was. Number four, uh, They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Number three, Call Me by Your Name. Number two, You Can Count on Me. And number one, My Dinner with Andre. All right, my number five. Doctor Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Wearing and Love the Bomb. Number four, Some Like It Hot. Number three, a guide to recognizing your saints. Number two, Quovada Saida. And number one is her. All right. So honorable mentions. I might have had a couple more here that I can mention. Um, let's see here. I talked about the 2010s. I talked about 2000s. Um, the 90s, some others I thought about. I thought about the spy who shagged me. Um, nice. As good as it gets... That thing you do, like that was going to make the list if it wasn't for a league of their own. Um, another foreign one from the 80s, Au revoir, Les Enfants, which is Goodbye, My Children. Um, nice. Then, uh, let's see here, My Fair Lady, or and also On Her Majesty's Secret Service for the 60s. Um, and the furthest back uh, I thought was in the 30s, You Can't Take It With You. Those are the ones I, I considered. Zach, do you have any honorable mentions that might have pronouns in them? <laughs> I went with An Angel at My Table, the great Gene Campion movie. Um, I Am Legend, Her Smell, which I haven't seen, but I think Rod liked it. <laughs> um, I've Heard the Mermaid Singing, which actually would have made my list, but My Dinner with Andre was going to be my 80s pick. Hannah and her sisters, my girl. Dear Zachary, a letter about a son to his father. Mm -hmm. or, but see, that I, I avoided the subtitle issue. Uh, talk to her, the secret in their eyes. Uh, drive my car. Away we go. My best friend's wedding. And as a special mention, Home Alone, because uh, this, the original title of it was going to be They Forgot About Me, which has uh, pronouns in it, I believe. Uh, Cassie oh. responded, person is a noun, 
not a pronoun. All right, Todd. We should have come up with a list of like the longest titles that don't have a pronoun. That would have been interesting. Um, <laughs> One per decade. Uh, uh, Drive my car. Uh, this is not a film. Is a was a really good documentary from uh, ten years ago. Catch me if you can. Uh, I thought which, that was gonna be on your list, dude. Yeah, I, I also had Dear Zachary, Flags of Our Fathers, uh, A River Runs Through It. Uh, is another movie I love. Um, my cousin Vinny, all about all about my mother, and Hannah and her sisters were all also under consideration. All right, let's let's try and figure out Adam's list here. If he had as much trouble as Zach did, we're in trouble. Uh, all right, here's my uh, my predictions here. Number five, I'm. So I, I, I like scoured his top 10 list from different decades for films with pronouns in them. So, uh, so this is what I came up with. Number five uh, is from the 60s. Who's that knocking at my door? Number four, Stand By Me from the 80s. Number three, It from the 2010s. Uh, number two, A League of Their Own from the 90s. And number one is the only movie in his top 100 with a pronoun in the title. It's Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Son About His Father. Zach. Yeah. Uh, okay, this, this is going to be fun. Um, I'm going to go with uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer for number five. Number four, I Love You, Man. Number three. Wait, so those are the, the two. They both have the same two pronouns. I, I don't give a <laughs> crap. I just got to say something. <laughs> I don't even know if you've seen these movies. Her uh... is my number three. A League of Their Own is number two. And number one was Dear Zachary. All right, I have number five, You Cannot Kill, David Arquette. Number four, Dr. Strangelove. Number three, My Cousin Vinny. Number two, Dear Zachary. And number one, Her. All right. Here's his list. But see, he's going to mess up this list. So you have to bank on a mess up coming somewhere, right? All right. So uh, he says, first off, I want to thank Todd for all the added stipulations for this week's power rankings. Looking forward mm -hmm. to the top five movies with adjectives in the title next. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Honorable good. mentions. Honorable mentions. Uh, this is 40. That's not a pronoun. No, the, no this, pronoun there. This is this not a is pronoun, a, I don't think. It is, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the pronouns, yeah. It's, a, oh, it's on okay. the list of pronouns. <clears throat> all right. Us. That's another one that we're just mm. a single pronoun. Uh, what we do in the shadows. And away we go. So, oh gosh, Adam. All right, number <laughs> five. Number five from the 40s, I Married a Witch. I think mm -hmm. I should get like a half point because we all have a, a I Married a W in our, in our list. Um, uh, number four from the 90s, Men in Black. Men is not a pronoun. <laughs> And neither is black, so I don't know. Uh, number three from the two thousands, I love you, man. Nice, yes. Over dear Zachary. I know, I know. Number two from the eighties, who framed Roger Rabbit? Who's not a pronoun? <laughs> and number I, one, I understand. Her. Not in that form. I think maybe it could be. Number one is her. Todd wins. I had me out there. I just got the one, and it was number one. Zach, you well, didn't Zach have her on his list? I had two. I think I should oh, win. Yeah, so Zach wins. Zach wins. Yeah. Crap. It's been a while, Zach. That is your 
29th win, cutting it, into my 44, and Terry has 27. And Adam still has zero. Since, it's fitting since uh, Adam and Zach equally couldn't figure out what a pronoun was. No, I, I had pr- proper uses of pronouns on my list. He did not. This is true, but I mean, uh, yeah, whatever. And I predicted that he wouldn't, so I should get like extra points for that. But it wasn't hard to predict, I guess. Okay. Who is a pronoun, according to Google? All right. Trivia time. Are you ready? Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Boyd is a slap in the face. This is going downhill quick. Trivia. We all have movies to report on because uh, I didn't get a chance to report on my trivia movie last time. Uh, so we're going to start with the uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner from uh, from this last game we just played. Zach, tell us what you watched and what you thought. All right. I watched uh, I, what I believe at the time was both of your number two movies of 2022 when we did our mid-year report, which was The Outfit. It was on both of your lists, right? Um, mm-hmm. the I didn't outfit. watch it till later. Okay. Well, I know you liked it. Um, the outfit uh, stars um, Academy Award winner Mark Rylance as Leonard. He wears a top hat in the movie, so it is very on brand for Mark uh, Rylance. Um, he owns a tailor shop in Chicago in 1956. And uh, at first, we kind of get the sense that not unlike Jack Lemon in the apartment, really he operates the shop so that mobsters can use his shop as a way to communicate with one another. They'd leave mysterious envelopes and boxes. The title is a clever double entendre because an outfit is a piece of clothing as well as the top secret criminal underworld organization that they are all aspiring to be a part of. This movie has a lot of dialogue in it. It's very stage bound. It's shot entirely in the stage set of the, uh, the the clothing shop. There's never any outside scenes. Uh, we also get Zoe Deutsch in the movie. She plays his secretary. Her name is Mabel. We get Dylan O'Brien. Uh, was he the guy in 1917? Who is he? He's from something, right? No, no. he's from the Maze Runner uh, classic. Uh, and he, the, he plays... the, the monster movie we watched that was nominated for visual effects Mon- or something. Monsters. Uh... Oh yeah. I remember that one. Not Monsters of Men. That was the cop movie. I don't know what that movie was called. uh, What was it called? We Are Monsters? No. That uses a pronoun. Uh, Anyway. um, I Heart Monsters? No. I Heart Huckabees. Um, I'm looking this up. It also stars Johnny Johnny Flynn as Francis. And Johnny Flynn sounds like a made-up name. Anyway. um, Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters. Johnny Flynn's also the name of the old Syracuse point guard. Yeah, absolutely it is. There we go. Uh, so um, I didn't like this movie. Oh, you I, asshole. Come on. That movie's awesome. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was. Okay. So listen. So, um, you know, a couple weeks ago in, in preparation for Halloween, there was this uh, article that came out. What is scientifically the most scary movie ever made? This group of scientists hooked up like an EMT thing to people's hearts and monitored heart rates while they watched scary movies. Now, the outfit is not a scary movie, but what they did in this study was anytime there was a big heart rate, you know, it was like a jump scare or something like that. And so you look at these movies, they did charts on them. You can see like every 10 minutes, there's a big jump scare. In the outfit, it's not jump scares. It is plot twists. And it got 
so predictable that every 10 minutes there was going to be a major plot twist that I'm that I started doubting what was happening in the movie. Oh, this person didn't really die. Oh, this person didn't really call this person. Oh, this thing isn't real. Oh, this person really has different motives. Um, I guess it was sometimes intriguing the way that I guess the plot twists operated, but I got really bored of it really fast. This movie is super talky. There's some there's there's some scenes in it where people are shot. Um, that are that kind of liven up the energy inexplicably they survive i mean it's kind of like in uh, la confidential last week when um who is it russell crowe gets shot like in the chest and he still survives miraculously this movie has two miraculous deaths uh people shot like blank you know right in the face um this tape <laughs> that they're all searching for is like out of screenwriting 101 it's MacGuffin. Zoe Deutsch is really bad in this movie. She sounds like she's from the 2020s. I wrote down a line that she says this. I thought about making my line of the day, but she literally says the line. Everybody's got their side hustle. Right. Because in the 1950s, people used terminology like that. Um, this movie uh, also uh, felt a little bit like that Roger Mitchell movie that came out earlier this year about the TV set. I don't know if you guys saw that movie. Anyway, it has a laughably over the top finale. Um, and it was just, it was full of information dumps. It just didn't have a lot of, it felt like it was a screen, screen, screenwriting 101 assignment in a college class. And the prompt was the whole movie has to take place in one, uh, place in one setting. It felt very Reservoir Dogs ish, but not, not particularly interesting the way that Reservoir Dogs was interesting. I'm giving it two stars. I think there, I wish the movie had just been about Mark Rylance as a, uh, tailor like Mr. Woodcock. Because he gives a good speech at the beginning of the movie about why he's a tailor. And him and Zoe Deutsch, even though she isn't realistic as a 50s person, they have a nice dynamic to them. But other than that, this movie was, I thought, pretty lame. And I know you guys like it. And Todd's going to call me out. <coughs> it, just, it, it wasn't my jam. And uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of dumb. You mentioned it was by Oscar winner Graham Moore. His, his, his right, only other screenplay that he's game. ever written. Another, another classic movie. Yeah. Uh, what do you want his Oscar for? Im Imitation game. Ah. Uh, yeah. I, I also know. I also wrote down it has the stench of a history of violence. <laughs> I don't see that at all, but okay. The the one thing I would I will say about it is it could have a few too many plot twists. You like think there, there are there are a lot of plot twists, but I think it's fun. It keeps you guessing. Yeah, I mean, in that way, it's like the the usual suspects. Like that was the one comparison I made when I was watching it. But okay. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely got usual suspects vibes to it too. It's like it's like a Douglas McGrath movie from the '90s. It's like it, it, the late Douglas McGrath. Like it's just I don't know. It it's like there's okay there's like a moment in this movie when a, an object is handed <coughs> to the gangsters, an object that people are all searching for, and it's like. That's not going to be the real object, is it? Oh, because they think they're so smart. Oh, it was a fake the whole time. It's just like, come on. I, I get it. You, you, you're smarter than us. Woo Great plot twist there. All right, all right. I kind of had a feeling, but I don't know. I'm glad you watched it at least. The outfit. Outfit is not a pronoun, so that couldn't have been on our Outfit list, is right? not a pronoun. Like 95% sure it's not a pronoun. Okay. All right. Todd, I have a feeling you're not going to like the movie I assigned you. So tell us uh, about the most forgettable title of 2022 and what you thought of it. Okay, I had to look this up. It's called Brian and Charles. It was a movie I watched. Uh, directed by Jim Archer. 
And um, uh, there's this guy named David Earl who looks like Mark Marion. He plays Brian. Yes, he does. <laughs> and uh, he's an unsuccessful inventor in Wales, and he is somewhat of an outsider. And he finds this mannequin's head in the trash, and so he decides he's going to make a robot to bring him out of his depression. And his robot suddenly comes to life and like reads the whole dictionary. And now he's faced with like a situation where his robot wants to go out on adventures, but he's world that Charles, which is what the robot named himself um, might be untrustworthy. And he's worried about how people will react. It's based on a short, which actually makes sense. It would have been like a really good 20 minute movie. Yeah. Uh, the move, the music's is really kind of funky. Like it, it, the movie's like a, it's basically like a British Rick Moranis movie or something, but like with a little Lars and the real girl, um, I think we've seen a lot of like robot with a mind of its own movies recently, which probably is for good reason. But this one, it's like, it's never boring. It's like, he's like a crazy bumbling idiot scientist. And um, it just gets a little repetitive. I, I think Charles is awesome though. He's like a precocious child um, and it's kind of sweet, but it's really predictable and ultimately kind of unsatisfying. I, I wish it had a bit of edge to it because it is, I mean, I think it's rated PG. There's like, there's like almost no stakes in this movie. I, I'm giving it two and a half stars. Honestly, I should probably be giving it two and a half stars as well. Uh, I gave it three simply because I love the fact that this movie was in theaters. Like I went to a theater to see this. So it By yourself, <laughs> I'm sure. Right? What? By yourself, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I was the only one in the room for sure. Uh, but it was it, it it's such a quaint little goofy mockumentary office style thing. Todd, tell me the robot looks like Jim Broadbent. Yeah, I, I had thought that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it yeah, and, and you're right. It would have made a killer twenty minute short. Uh, it did probably did make a killer twenty minute short. Um, this this movie screams Sundance. Uh, which I think is where it premiered. I, I, it's it's a cute little movie. Like I said, I probably should be giving it two and a half as well, but I was so charmed by it. And the fact that a small time movie like this actually got a wide enough release that I could see it in theaters in the greater, greater Portland area. Uh, I had to give it three stars just to promote this type of movie. Can I ask a question? Yeah. The movie's called Brian and Charles. Who would the most interesting Brian and Charles be for this movie to be about a Brian and Charles? I mean, obviously Barkley. That's Barkley not bad. And here's who I wrote down. I said Charles Grodin and Brian Sipe, Cleveland uh, Browns quarterback from the eighties, or Brian Grazer. <laughs> Are there? I'm trying to think of a good Brian. Brian Wilson. There we go, Charles Barkley and Brian Wilson. That would be a that would be a movie. But which Brian Wilson? We're talking about musician or the closer? The, for the, the closer Giants? for the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yes, that needs to happen. Wow, that would have made this movie better. Uh, yep, it totally would have. All right, let's get into trivia. No, I got a report on mine. Never mind. I am reporting on a movie I was supposed to watch two weeks ago. I didn't get a chance to get to it, so I'm going to talk about it now. Um, it was uh, it was my watch for the plane this morning as I was flying to Vegas. Uh, it is Ambulance 
the 2022 film that came out earlier this year, directed by Michael Bay. Uh, and this movie rocks. Uh, yeah, it stars guys. it stars Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> Yaya Abdul, uh, Mateen the Second, and Isa Gonzalez, and Garrett Dillahunt, and a bunch of others. Uh, and tells the story of a bank robbery gone wrong uh, with two uh, mismatched brothers. And so they steal an ambulance with an injured cop inside. And uh, this is this is like speed meets gone in 60 seconds meets Grand Theft Auto if it were directed by Michael Bay. I mean, the, this is there's an hour and a half car chase scene in this movie. Uh, it is it is big and loud and crazy as only Michael Bay can do it, but it's not like Transformers like you know beat you over the head with special effects at the same time. It's Michael Bay doing his best thing. Like it feels very much like The Rock. By the way, is there anything more incestuous than quoting your own movie inside of your <laughs> inside of your new movie? Like there's a quote of The Rock, and someone's like, "What?" It's like it's from The Rock. I mean, how really you you have to quote it, it was that game. was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal is at his most deranged. Uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen II is showing how he can be a movie star in this. Uh, it is it is cheesy at times. It is corny. It is unbelievable in all of the best ways. It is exactly what you want from a good Michael Bay movie. Uh, three and a half stars. Like this wow. is on par with like the best Michael Bay can possibly be. Like The Rock, the and and Ambulance deserves to be right there with with movies like that. So, yeah, the the movie is freaking awesome, and and Jake Gyllenhaal is going for it. Like I mean, I I don't know what he's going doing. for it. He's it's, he's trying to be Nicolas Cage. That's what he's doing. Pretty much, he's he's nuts. And you you didn't say this is actually based on a foreign film. I can't imagine yeah. what that foreign film looks I don't like. Know. It's like a Danish movie. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I mean, when when I watched this, I was just so pleasantly surprised by how it didn't suck and how like in it's not sucking. It actually was really good. And uh, yeah, I mean. Michael Bay, it doesn't really feel like his other movies. Like, there's no big set pieces in this. It's just like it's really contained, but it is chaotic as hell, and I, I loved it. <laughs> it feels, I, I, I think The Rock, maybe Pain and Gain, like those are those are its closest relatives. Yeah, well, I mean, well, in his filmography, yeah, but it doesn't really feel like those movies. Like you said, it's more speed than anything else, probably. But that's probably just because they're. In, the whole thing takes but, place in the ambulance pretty much it's like if speed had the adrenaline rush of the car chase at the end of gone in 60 seconds and but also there was a little bit of grand theft auto in there in that you know no traffic rules apply and just go for it <laughs> yeah but if all that was directed by michael bay and uh, uh yeah exactly i don't know why we didn't review this back when it was out like i I mean, I, I don't know how yeah, I was we, the only one that saw it. <laughs> we all missed it. I don't know. When did this come out? April 8th? I don't know why we didn't. What did we review that week? I'll have to go back and look. Apollo yeah. 10 and a half. Was it Apollo 10 and a half? No, it's a guess, but. It's a guess. It's and that might be a good guess. All right. 
Well, I need to see this movie. I mean, everything you were saying sounds absolutely phenomenal. I've been a little bit scarred by the Jake Gyllenhaal uh, emergency responder movie that Todd assigned me that I didn't like very much. But this sounds this sounds epic. Which one was that? Or maybe Terry assigned me the one where oh, he's a first um, responder. Uh, yeah, no, he's a on the my, the nine one one nine one one operator. Yeah, yeah, that one sucked. What was what was it called? Emergency was wasn't maybe it a was similarly called, bland title. Yeah, uh, the guilty. The guilty. The guilty. Oh, oh yeah, the foreign Great film title. remake. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the the week that this came out, we reviewed everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Does that have a pronoun that. in it somewhere in the title? No. Oh. No. No. It was also the week we deep dive 25th hour. That, that sounds like our podcast. This might yep. have been a better companion piece to that than uh, than everything everywhere. All right. <clears throat> it's time for trivia. So I decided we were going to go with some traditional Oscars trivia here. Uh, so it's going to be... Here's, here's what I decided to go with. This next week, uh, Zach and I get a day off on friday because it is veterans day i don't get a day off you don't get a day off no no well, I'm, out of, I'm out of i'm out of town on a, on a school oh, trip that true. week but that's we don't true. get school off that day oh well i get school off that day anyways uh Bastard. veterans day is this is this friday november 11th 11 11 and uh so i decided to do some trivia uh around that so we're gonna uh go to the 11th Academy Awards, which was oh, the, the awards <laughs> celebrating. I've got two of them. So the, the, this is the award celebrating the movies from 1938. Oh. And we'll see how well you do. So here's what you need to do. <clears throat> if you can mention a movie that was nominated for an Oscar, you get a point. If it won an Oscar, you get a second point. So if it if it was nominated, you get a point. If it was if it won, you get two points. There were forty five movies nominated for an Oscar in nineteen thirty eight. So I realize this one is probably not going to last very long, but uh, we're going to give said. it a try. <laughs> <laughs> She said that movie's coming out soon, right? That that that, that had a pronoun in it. Good job, Zach. Do I get um, the first pick? I'd like the first pick for this one. Zach is gonna get the first pick. Yes. He he inexplicably doesn't know what a pronoun is. I feel like this movie title has one. like five pronouns in it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You mean okay? Well, you get two points. You can't take it with you. You can't take it yes. with you. Great movie. Was was nominated and won best picture zach gets two points it was nominated one two three four five six seven times it won picture and director that doesn't mean you get three points you just get two Damn it. so we're only saying movies we can't say like, like only the movie well i'll give you i'll give you half a point if you say an actor how about that okay um i think grand illusion was that year? Grand Illusion was not that year. That is incorrect. But you know what? I might give you a, a strike on this one and let you keep what? going. What? Bullshit. Come on. Both, for He's both the of Oscar you. For guy. both of you. All right. Well, that 
Zach, you get to keep going. Jezebel. Jezebel. Best actress. Was, yep, Davis. best actress. Betty Davis, best supporting actress for Faye Bainter. Best picture nominee and cinematography and score. That's two points for Zach. How about Todd could say any more after Zach is done? We'll do it that way. If he has any more. Okay. Zach, keep going. Oh, I, I go again? Oh, wait, Grand Illusion on. was nominated for Best Picture. I had it. You're right. It was. So you did get a point. I had it un, under the, the foreign title, La Grande Illusion. So I didn't have And you idea. couldn't like figure that out? <laughs> Shut up. It's, it's exactly up. hieroglyphics. It's Todd, the Todd is still in it. Never mind. <laughs> All right. That, uh, Todd, you can keep going then. So it's more than one say, right now. I'm going to say Catherine Hepburn. He's going to say Catherine Hepburn, which is going to make this a lot harder for me to look up. Uh, look up. Let's see here. Catherine Hepburn. Oh, doing this. Well, I have a list of the movies, so I've got to actually it's, look it's through. Not, it was, when did we make it about actors? I, I told Todd, I told him that he could, for half a point, if he named an act an actor, we could go with it. Uh, Catherine Hepburn was not nominated. The one year she wasn't nominated. The okay. one year she wasn't. All right, Zach, you have any more? Well, then Walter Brennan, he was the supporting actor winner. I don't know what movie it was for. It was for something. Kentucky, maybe. Uh, or the oh, that Southerner. sounds right. Kentucky! Two points for Zach. There we go. I, I know 1938 like a mother. All right. Well, Todd's out. So, <laughs> do you have any more? Well, I'm trying to think of the best actor that year. Um, I'm trying. I'm thinking that was Spencer Tracy. And I think the film oh. was Boys Town. That is correct. It was also How do you a best know this? picture nominee. Because um, I know 38, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, was Louise, Louise Rayner nominated? Uh, that's, a, that's my shot in the dark. That's your shot in the dark here? I don't think she was nominated. Uh, Louise Rayner. That would have been three years in a row for her. Going through the list here. Uh, I see no Louise Rayner. All right. She didn't right. do a whole lot after her Oscars. Todd, do you want to throw any others out there just for fun if you were thinking of any films, not actors? No, I, I have nothing. I'll, I mean, I could try. I would say, like, um, the, um, the Adventures of Robin Hood. I don't know. Yeah, bad guess. That's not a horrible I was, guess. I think, it was, I think it was in 1940, though. Adventures of Robin Hood won three Oscars that year. It was nominated for one other. Nominated for pictures, wow. won art direction, editing, <laughs> and score. So you could have gone with that one and gotten some points, but you didn't. Um, all right. Well, oh, I'm not getting credit for that. You saying no, throw one out there? Oh, you know what? On. You know what? Let's go with it. Let's That's go with bullshit. It. Bullshit. I, I need to accumulate my points, Terry. I'm not right, going well, well, to be. Do you have, do you have any other, Zach? Do you want to throw a shot in the dark? I can give you points, too. We can't. We can't listen, we are not the Houston Astros, okay? We <laughs> adhere to rules on this podcast. <laughs> just randomly throw out shit after he's been eliminated and get points for it. That's ridiculous. Fine. All right, then we're done. But that is that is what I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you an honorary point, Todd. And maybe okay. we'll maybe we'll get to it later. Um, if if there's a tiebreaker, you were the one that was able to come up with something after after you were eliminated. That's I okay. Come up with a movie before you know. Yeah, I know. Okay, 
So here, here's here's some some things that you missed. Uh, Alexander's Ragtime Band won an Oscar for score. Uh, damn um, it, forgot that. Yeah. Shit. Uh, Todd, you you should have gotten. Uh, James Cagney was nominated for Angels with Dirty Faces. Um, um, let's see here. Other winners. I have a hard time placing '30s movies, so like yeah. Um, Four Daughters was a Best Picture nominee that year. Um, let's see here. Other movies that were out there. Marie Antoinette got a bunch of nominations. One for Norma Shearer. Um, Merrily We Live. Pygmalion won Adapted Screenplay. Mm. Uh, Adventures of Robin Friday. Hood won a bunch. The Big Broadcast of 1938 won Original Song. Cowboy and the Lady won Sound. The Great Waltz won Cinematography. Who could forget? I know. There we go. That was all that. Okay. So that was the 11th Oscars. Now we're going to go to one you might do a little better at. Now we're going to go to the Oscars celebrating the movies from 2011. Mm. Why? So, what does that have to do with anything? Because we're doing 11-11 for Veterans 11, Day. Uh, so we did the 11th Oscars. So now we're doing 2011. Got it. So this is films from 2011. Not, not the Oscars that took place in 2011. But the Oscars that took place in 2012, honoring the 2011 movies. Todd gets the start on this one. Todd, you are currently losing eight to one. <laughs> um, Zach, Zach came up with four winners last time. The artist. The artist was the best picture winner, the best actor winner, the best director winner, the best costume design winner, and the best score winner. You get two points. Zach. Beginners. Beginners won Best Supporting Actor and didn't get nominated for anything else, but you do get two points. Really? Wow. I'm kind of surprised by that. Hugo. Uh, Hugo uh, nominated for a bunch, but it did win cinematography, art direction, sound, sound editing, and visual effects. So there's two points for Todd. Back. Uh... I'm kind of blanking here. 2011? 2011. <sighs> it's the goddamn beer. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the Help. The Help was nominated for four Oscars, but one Best Supporting Actress for Octavia Spencer. Two points for Zach. Todd. Um... The Iron Lady. God damn it. The Iron Lady. <sighs> nominated twice, won twice. Two points for Todd. Uh, my Week with Marilyn. My Week with Marilyn was a two-time nominee for Actress and Supporting Actor. Did not win anything. One point for Zach. Todd. Uh, Midnight in Paris. Midnight in Paris. Nominated four times. One original screenplay. Two points for Todd. A separation. A separation. Now we're My talking. Number two movie of all time. but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good <clears throat> job, bud. Uh, two nominations. One foreign film. Two points for Zach. Todd. Um, uh, the Tree of Life. The Tree 
of life. Good one. Get to it. Nominated three times. Did not win, thankfully. Uh, that is correct. One point for time. Extremely loud, incredibly close. Extremely loud, incredibly close. Was nominated twice. Picture and supporting actor. One point for Zach. The girl with the dragon tattoo. A girl oh, with the good. dragon tattoo yeah. was nominated five times. One uh, one editing. Two points for Todd. Zach. War horse. War horse. We're in the zone now. Uh, we've got six nominations. No wins. Uh, Zach gets one point. The, the Ides of March. The Ides of March. Todd is on wow. a roll. Adapted screenplay nomination. One point for Todd. Zach, it's to you. Um, hmm. I don't think Tilda Swinton was nominated. Or was she? I'm going with it. Todd's favorite movie. We need to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin is incorrect. Damn it. She got a Golden Globe nomination for that shit. Yeah, she Todd, got nominated for everything but the Oscar. Todd, um, you are, you'll, I'll let you know, it is currently 17 to 13. You need four oh, points great. to tie, five to win. 2011 was not a memorable year. Yeah, we were we watched this shit in Vegas. <laughs> that <laughs> makes it, it even better. It makes it even better. More a better theme than in, than I could have ever anticipated. Um. Well, I have. I know Drive was nominated for one Oscar. Drive was nominated for sound editing. That's a point. A, a better life. Stupid movie. Better life was nominated oh, for best Damien actor. Bashir. For Damien Bashir. There we that go. Is correct. I want to say Todd. Rango. Is that the uh, animated movie? Rango was the animated winner. That is correct. <laughs> it is now tied. Oh my gosh. Um. Well, Todd wins. He's got the honorary point, so it's over. Well, I'll, I'll give you a chance for an honorary point after this if you come up with anything else. How about that? One more. You need one more, Todd. I know. I just thought of one. I mean, I'm blanking on like several categories, so I'm like, yes, you are. I can't even remember the adapted screenplay winner. Five, four. I got nothing. Three. He's got nothing. Two, one. Zach. Margin call. Margin um. call was a nominee. It was not a winner, but it was a nominee. Was it the Moneyball year, too? It was Moneyball, oh, too. Moneyball. Yep, it was the Moneyball year as well. Any others? Todd, do you have any others? No. Wait. Oh, shit. The Descendants. That was the it. Descendants mm. was the adapted screenplay winner. What's the one we always forget, Todd? Yeah. <laughs> We always forget. We always forget Albert Nobbs. Oh, Albert. Uh, Albert, Albert Nobbs had three nominations: A Cat in Paris, Anonymous, Bridesmaids, oh. Bullhead, Chico and Rita, Footnote, Deathly Hallows Part Two, Helen Back Again, 
If a tree falls in darkness, Jane Eyre, Kung Fu Panda 2. What were the uh, uh, foreign film nominees? Monsieur Lazar. Oh, yeah. Paradise Lost 3, Pina, Puss in Boots, Real Steel, you Rito. Reviewed all, you reviewed all those last year, too. I did. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Adventures of Tintin, The Descendants, you guys got afterwards. So who wins? Um, the Muppets. Zach. The Zach Muppets. Do I win? Taylor, Soldier Spy, Transformers Dark of the Moon, Undefeated, one documentary, W.E., oh, yeah. and Todd, Warrior. Um, wait, so wait, my honorable point would have gotten me over, but he got one too, but he got two, but then he I got, got a two, winner. But you got a winner. I, I would, I would say you're still tied. I think I should win because 38 is more impressive. <laughs> than 11. Yeah. Hold on. I, I'm not going to argue with that. You were up nine to one. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Todd conceded. Zach gets the win. Well, let's, let's wrap this up with quote of the day. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. Zach, you won somehow. <laughs> I was a double quote? winner today. Uh, my quote comes from Colin Farrell, who uh, says, I'm I think I'm still trying to find my feet as an actor. And I know it ain't brain surgery, but it confuses me and it comes between me and my sleep a lot. And that's definitely true of this podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll go next. Uh, I wanted to go with a quote from Banshees. Like I, I, when I heard, I'm like, that's a quote of the day quote. And then I, for I forgot to write it down or put it in my phone when I, I heard it. And then I didn't, I forgot what it was. So I went with a quote from Ambulance and said, because I actually wrote this one down. Um, and it's from Jake Gyllenhaal on that. And I feel like it describes this podcast well. Uh, and uh, some uh, the the medic in the in the ambulance is like, I don't have what I need here. And he says, well, I wish I didn't have herpes, but we all got to go with what we got. And I feel like that describes this podcast. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like the cheesiest line of the entire movie, but also one that really made me laugh. <laughs> Todd, what do you got? Uh, so I'm going to quote her, which is the best pronoun movie. Uh, I mean, it's Amy Adams' character. And I'm then going to quote something else after it, too. Uh, she says, you know what? I can overthink everything and, um, and find a million ways to doubt myself. I've just come to realize that we're only here briefly. And while I'm here, I want to allow myself joy. So f*** it. Which I think also describes the Banshees of Inishirin, which also makes me want to just say that they don't, like, they say feck. And I was like, I think she said feck. What's the difference? The letter, the letter U. U. <laughs> that's beautiful. That is beautiful. All right. That's a great way to end this. Uh, and thank you for uh, listening to our podcast. We'll be back at you next week uh, with another episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.